Welcome to uh, the 1992 edition of Sunglasses at Night podcast. Yep, 92. Are you excited? <laughs> I am excited. This is the year of um, ooh, so many things. The Barcelona Olympics. Ah, uh, yes, um, of course. Something else must have happened in 1992, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> was there any, anything else? I don't know. I was still celebrating the bicentennial. Yeah. People told me that the glasses shaped like the letters 1988 were starting to fade and look bad, but I said, piss off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're, they're timeless. You can wear them forever. I still wear them now. I was um, instructed to make it great in 88. They did not tell me to stop making it great. Well, that's the thing about the song. They, they said make it great in 88, but they didn't put a limit on when no. you should stop. There was no, no. limitation on there. You're <laughs> absolutely correct. Um, so you're 92. Lots of stuff happened. Um, look, during the course of this podcast, if I've got a free 30 seconds, I'll Google an event or something, <laughs> just throw it in there and go, oh, remember that other thing? And you'll be like, oh, I do. And then that'll be great. It'll look, make it look like we've done some research. But yeah, so um, yeah, Barcelona Olympics, good. We'll probably talk about that later, unfortunately. <laughs> More on that later. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> So, first song of the year for a couple more weeks, three years. This is, you know, from last year, uh, Michael Jackson, Black or White. Um, it's a carryover. Yep, eight, eight weeks, weeks at the top. Eight weeks total, five last year, three this year. Took up most of January. Um, any thoughts since last week, Tom? Anything else you want to add that you forgot to mention back then? Or The only thing I had to add was that I kept watching this entire 10-minute and a half long video waiting for Eddie Murphy to show up and then gradually I figured out that that was in the Remember the Time video <laughs> which was I think the next big video single off that album absolutely so, have, you seen, have you seen that one recently one. <laughs> <laughs> I may have yeah. Yeah, yeah it's actually not as interesting as I remembered it just has a couple of moments of very expensive CGI at the start and the end and then yeah. and Eddie Murphy as mentioned yeah. the rest of it is just Michael Jackson basically walking like an Egyptian yeah it's, it doesn't it's look pretty much, much better that. on him here's what you're getting with these Michael Jackson videos time around this period you're getting a lot of celebrity cameos mm -hmm. whether it's as you mentioned uh, Eddie Murphy or in the Jam video Michael Jordan and crisscross making yep. appearance getting um, a lot of gold lame yeah he's doing that uh, a lot of pseudo militaristic attire you are you're very much so a lot of costumes expensive sets yep and and pushing cgi technology to its very limits i think yes. as well you would agree so meanwhile the song quality starts to slip into a decline from which he never really recovered but yeah, yeah sort of almost sort of uh, an inverse sort of proportional mm. relationship between <laughs> the quality of the music and how long and the number of cameos that are in the music videos I think but yeah certainly um, look black or white does the face thing and then he morphs from a panther into a, a man Remember the time he morphs from some sand into a man and mm -hmm. then at the end he's, he's back yeah. out again. So he's definitely using the morphing technology. Um, you might look at it today and laugh and go, oh, how quaint. But this is 1992 <laughs> technology pushed to its very limits. So, mm. yeah. And when did Terminator 2, when that came out this year as well, 1992? Or was that 1991? Maybe 1991. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it was 91 because we had um, You Could Be Mine was like oh, a number that's, two. That's true track. last year. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think technology-wise, Michael Jackson's effectively spending as much money on these music videos as people are on feature-length films. <laughs> so, um, yeah, some of the feature-length films I've been watching recently from the 80s, Tommy's been spending significantly <laughs> more than that. So, parole violators, um, I'll call that one out now, check it out. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, it might have even been 1990. Might have been, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, um, yeah, look, we'll, we'll look into that. I think it's around, it's off the Use Your Illusion um, double album. That's, well, not double album, two single albums, which is what, you, that's a very good idea to do, isn't it? Mm. Rather than releasing a double album like you or I would, Tom, Guns N' Roses said, let's release them as two separate CDs. People got to go out. And th- CDs cost $30 back then in Australia. So can you imagine being a Guns N' Roses fan and having to drop 60 bucks on both albums in 1991? <laughs> that's like two weeks' wages. I mean, that's insane. That's you know, right. It's completely crazy. You could buy an awful lot of crab sticks with minimum chips. Goodness me, you could. You could you'd live like a king for a month. But <laughs> instead, people bought Use Illusion 2 and 1. Um, they'd seen Terminator 2. They mm-hmm. wanted, they wanted uh, yeah, You Could Be Mine, and they got it. So That was 91. So, yeah, T2. Cool. There we go. Good year for There we go. There we go. Just because of that one. So first song of this year, um, for four weeks, Salt and Pepper, Let's Talk About Sex. Mm. Now, this seemed ridiculously controversial in 1992, (laughs) either because I was a child and it seemed controversial. I don't know whether it really was, but it had sex in the title. So I think people lost their minds. Yep. People already knew that George Michael wanted their sex, yep. and yep. they knew that he also wanted their sex part two and wanted their sex part three. <laughs> but clearly, they felt it was time for a broader conversation. And Absolutely, Salt and Pepper were there to provide it. Well, they did. I mean, this song, Tom, it you know, it opens a dialogue about the dangers of unprotected sex for for a start. Um, you know, it, it just asks for a frank discussion in plain terms. I think it is does. That, is, that, is that the best way to describe it? Um, this song breaks it down into three verses, as a lot of songs do. These mm-hmm. guys didn't invent that three-verse sort of thing. But with this song, what they've gone on is in the first verse, they're the you know they're talking about um, how they're going to broach the subject of talking about sex. Mm-hmm. They set the scene. The second verse tells a cautionary tale about a woman who has sex with a number of high-profile men, but's left feeling empty. Mm. Familiar tale. Yeah, it's a very familiar tale. And then the third verse. Um, <laughs> There's a couple that have unprotected sex and he leaves her with a nasty condition. It uses some very graphic language. It sure um, does. <laughs> sores pour and stuff falls down your drawers. Mm. Uh, that's just gross. That is... A simple sore starts puff and spore. He gave it to you and now it's yours. Yeah. I think maybe they're confusing STDs with mushrooms. <laughs> I think so. But still, it's a disgusting image. It certainly is. It's, it's pretty gnarly. I think verse 2 nowadays would probably qualify as slut shaming. Oh, um, yeah, no doubt. But still, yeah. No, I mean, fair play to them. Like, they say, like, look, are they going to play this on the radio in the first verse? And they're like, probably not. <laughs> but um, They're acknowledging yeah. the controversy, I think, straight off the bat, which I is mean, good. So it, this was played on the radio in Australia. Oh, yeah. I clearly. think it was, it was probably fake controversy or just... Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it's, it is possible. In 92, it is possible that some stations wouldn't play a song called Let's Talk About Sex. It wouldn't true. have been played on 7LA. No I doubt. must have been listening to it on, um, like, Countdown. Yeah. Countdown, <laughs> Countdown Revolution. Molly would have played it. Oh, but, absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely. It's clever, really, because it's a song that sounds dirtier than it is. Yep. Like, it's got that great sort of... Um, 
shovey kind of a name, but really they do follow through on it. As you say, they're just talking about sex. It's not actually, you know, let's eroticize sex no, or let's fantasize not. about like that. You know, it's it's like okay, we're literally going to talk about sex in the sense that you can get VD from it. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, as we've mentioned, they're broaching the subject in verse one. They're telling uh, about a woman that's mm. you know not fulfilled in verse two and number three is about STD. So it's hardly about. Yeah. Let's just go out and bang, you know. There's a lot more controversial for, songs. For in this. the younger people, if any of them are listening, I should also. <laughs> it might also be interesting to point out that this is the this is a period from it was a period from about eighty nine to about ninety three when uh, it was after nobody was talking about condoms at all. They were completely taboo subject for yep. dinner conversation or anything. You couldn't show them on television or anything like that. But before people had become laissez-faire and blasé about condoms and everyone just treated them like something you just habitually get whoever needs them or whatever. For about four or five years, they were the edgiest, coolest thing you could talk of. And every single TV show that considered itself even halfway cool had to have a section, a thing about showing how to put a condom on a banana or a cucumber and stuff. Until gradually they... The first time I saw, you know, a teacher at school show us how to put a condom on a banana i was like okay this is officially not cool like but it um yeah but for the in this brief period like safe sex was not just the kind of boring topic that it is now but it was actually a kind of edgy interesting fun of sexy thing to talk about yep. you know and then you could always say well we're doing a public service as well if they were saying why are you showing what looks like someone putting in a wreck Duldo on TV. Yeah. And say, oh no, look, this is a public, public service, service announcement that we're doing, you know. Exactly right. Just because yeah. there's smoky saxophone in the background <laughs> and it's being applied by a woman in lingerie, it's still public it's still public service, hmm. still for public service. Yeah, exactly. Look, I think um you're right, yeah. Those um anything that happened in those high school health classes just made anything that seemed edgy <laughs> or cool or whatever controversial <laughs> just like completely weirdo mm-hmm. like when you've got some teacher just going yeah here we go let's put this condom on a banana as you said although um interestingly uh when i was at launceston college tom health class um compulsory health class day one um our teacher tried to sort of you know i guess what what's the word i'm looking for i guess you know, ease the tension, you know, there mm. could be some tension in these classes, they could seem a bit controversial, or people might be a bit off guard, a bit uneasy, so he said, look, you know, guys, guys and girls, let's split up, all the girls think of all the the, the names for penis that you can, <laughs> and all the guys, you think of all the words for vagina that you can, and we'll just, we'll read them out, we'll clear the air, we'll get it out there. I can't think of any there. way this could go. No, and, and the girls had like three like oh peanut like willy dick like three things and went okay guys and there was a dude in our class that that he was from the countryside i guess you could say tom is that fair enough he had like a fucking hundred on this list and it just kept going and going and they just got worse and worse Hairy axe wound, gutted Ewok Tom, they were all pulled out, all of them. And it just went for what, like, time seemed to stand still. It seemed to be like about half an hour of just like slow motion, this guy just reading out all these vagina names. And I mean, the teacher you brought did, this on yourself, really. Exactly. I think by uh, term two, the, the next class, he may have rethought that sort of strategy because it didn't work out well. Um, it was very funny, but at the same time, 
highly awkward and I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. It was I wish great. you had a printout of all Oh, geez, I wish I did. I wish I had that. I wish <laughs> or I a had... video recording. Oh, for sure. If only it was, you know, 20 years later and people had a camera yeah, phone that could have recorded that and <sighs> could have gone viral on the YouTube or I, something or on the TikToks. I actually had a to. similar experience in health, which was kind of our combined... So I think it was called Social Science, which had... A, Various bits and bobs of the last bits of classical education that didn't fit anywhere else, like history and shit that we didn't have actual proper <laughs> classes for. Maths, yeah, stuff we couldn't really afford at Riverside High School. But um, it also had sex education and stuff like that in it, and drug education, mm. alcohol stuff. And I remember we had, this is grade eight, so we're talking people who are 13 and 14, and yep. we had a presentation where we were supposed to pick a drug and do a presentation on, you know, the, the, the dangers of it. And, uh, but we got put off into groups, I think. And one group, um, which was clearly the, uh, people who had already started smoking pot at yeah. 13 and their, their, as you said, it was like time st- stood still. And for the next maybe half an hour, we were treated to a long and very comprehensive <laughs> example of exactly how to make your own bong using ingredients found around the home. They had they brought in a large <laughs> bag of oregano or whatever. It could have been <laughs> fucking pot for all I know. <laughs> and then they showed how to, for instance, roll a good tight three paper, you know, yeah. make sure which ends of that to lick, you know, you've got how to use the tellies <laughs> I'm sure the teacher learned quite a few things that day, I think, as well. Absolutely right. You do leave yourself open, Tom, to... (laughs) Once again, I mean, you can't argue with the basic premise. They'd certainly done their research. Absolutely. Um, So, look, yeah, sorry to go off there on a bit of a tangent, but I think it was important to to mention this. Sure, no, this is, you know, the subject... This is going to come up in the next couple of years, I reckon, this kind of... Oh, absolutely right, absolutely. So... We've already had RAD, which was Rock Against Drugs. Now we're going to have a lot more, you know, people putting condoms onto cucumbers. Yeah, for sure. Look, um... Sonically speaking. Sonically speaking. uh, Salt and pepper... Um, one of them's called Salt, I assume. One of them's called Pepper. I hope that's a pretty cool <laughs> name. Um, the DJ's called Spinderella. Is that the best DJ name going it's around? It's pretty fucking good. I, I think that's sick. Yeah, I, I really like that because um, it's like she's spinning records and it's a play on words of Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I like it. In case I had to spell it out, which I didn't. Um, and one of the members of Salt and Pepper, I'm not sure whether it's Salt or Pepper, um, has a scorpion tattoo between her cans. Is that hot or not? <laughs> I know you're feeling on the can tat bin. Yeah, I'm, I'm not not feeling it at all. I've never felt it. I think it's um yeah. No, I think it's just yeah. Is it a red flag if you if you meet someone on? <laughs> I think go the go, internet and you go meet them in do the life? full thing or not not at all. Yeah. Just if you just have something small, it tends to look like you've been eating food and some of it's formed in your cleavage. Yeah, I think experience. so. That, is it? Is it? There was a rapper called Eve, I think. Mm-hmm. And she had like sort of like tiger print, like tiger claws coming out of her cleavage as well, and it's it's the same thing, you know. Yeah. At, at anything, unless you're staring at it up close, which you know would cause its own problems. Yeah, it just looks like you've you know a dead fly has landed. 
Yeah, exactly. I don't think it was the wisest move from one of the members of Salt and Pepper. Um, look, it didn't look good in this video clip, and I can't imagine it looks any better now, some thirty years later. But look, alas, that's that was that's what her, tattoo does. It's up to her. Though. Yeah, no tattoo does probably. Yeah, exactly, and definitely not an in between the cans tat of a scorpion. But look, what do I know? Maybe it's awesome. I mean, if you want to get an entire chest coverage of the Carlton United Breweries logo, yeah, you know, then we can talk. That's an absolutely different know. story for sure. That is a different story. Um, <laughs> So the director of this music video um, also directed uh, Rex and Effects Rump Shaker, <laughs> which is one of the f- best music videos of this era. Um, it's also it's, one of the best spellings of Rex, Rex, Rex and Effects. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to Google because it's it's hard to know what's going on. And Google, even Google's like, um, what? It's what simultaneously Rex? misspelt in I think four different ways at the same time, yeah. which is quite impressive. It's not easy to do absolutely so Rex and FX Rump Shaker starts all set on a beach so you know it's good for the get go sure um, there's a there's a sax intro sax solo um, 17 people in bikinis 17 people in bikinis um, and it, it features some of the finest lyrics um, remember this, I think this this was a number one hit but I think it made made it alright in the charts like, yeah, it, like, yeah I certainly I heard really it a lot know. Um, it's called the Rump, sh- rump Shaker uh, the beats is like sweeter than candy. I'm feeling manly, and your shaker's coming in. Handy. Slide them across from New York down to your Virginia, tickling you around Delaware before I can enter. <laughs> so, um, I, I assume New York's like the boobs, <laughs> and Virginia, I gather, is the vagina. Mm, Delaware. Shearson's. Letters. I don't know, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I'm not sure, but yeah. So turn to seduction from face hips to get feet. A wiggle and a jiggle can make the night complete. Now, since you've got the body of the year, come and get your award. Here's a hint: it's a long, sharp sword. Sounds painful. It does. It does. <laughs> I think it might be a metaphor for his dick, Tom, but I'm not quite sure. So great lyrics there from uh, Rump Shaker. Check out that video if you love saxophones and people in bikinis. You will thoroughly enjoy that. Anything else, Tom, for this? Um, this got to, this only got to 13 in the US, but I reckon it's a good song, so I'm saying Australia won out here. And mm-hmm. in fact, Australia were big fans of Salt and Pepper. Um, Shoop got oh. to number, that was big here, that got to number two here in 93, and Push It got to number three in 88. Oh, yeah. And that was only 19 in the US. Uh, personally, I'm a big None of Your Business fan. Yeah, uh, which has got some great lyrics. Uh, if I want to take a guy home with me tonight, that's none of your business. If she wants to be a freak and sell it on the weekend. It's none of your business. Fair point. It is a fair point. It is I like that much. she's dumped her friend in it though. She gets to be, you know, she's having a one night stand. Her friend's prostitute. prostitute yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, exactly. But still, point well made. I say it's you none know. of your business, Tom. That's exactly. right. It is none of your fucking business. Exactly. I reckon. I think. I think that's actually ca- uh, maybe even catchy in this. And Shoop is hella catchy. Good yeah. luck getting that out of your head once you listen to that. Oh, absolutely. I think they've got a lot of hits. You're right. Push it's a big one. Yep. Shoot that was this. a big one in America too. But like, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that Push it didn't. Uh, land. I mean, like we were just saying, like last week, last year, so '91, Vanilla Ice is that's the put Ice Ice Baby. That's the first big yep. mainstream hip hop song, closely neck and neck with what MC Hammer with "You Can't yep. Touch This," which is barely hip hop. It's yep. almost more like um just a kind of dance song. And then one year later, you've got you know two two women kicking ass. You Absolutely, know, look, who I have think... already had a 
another single, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think in the Push It video clip, Tom, they're wearing a, a leather jacket that has salt and pepper emblazoned on the back, I, I believe. believe and so. like, I believe so. I would love to own that jacket, I can tell you oh, that now. Yeah. That would be a fantastic jacket to get your hands on. It's probably, I don't know, would, would a salt and pepper video clip Push it video clip leather jacket. Is that in the is that in the millions of dollars? Is that in uh, the hundreds it, of if dollars? It was authentically worn. I reckon you'd be talking yeah a lot of money. Yeah, too that. much, too much for me. That's for sure. It's, it's in a museum somewhere, no doubt. <laughs> I, I hope so. Definitely. Um. So some people have three point six million listeners on Spotify. See? Still going. Oh, one of them has died. Have they not? Have they? Shit. Gee. Oh, sorry. I hope not. This is the problem with doing this stuff now. I think one of them may have passed away, unless I'm confused with um, Rum DMC. Oh, look. Um, yes. Spinderella oh, passed away. Oh, the DJ away. passed away. Okay, yep. but Salt and Pepper are still around. Spinderella cut it up one time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, Spinderella unfortunately passed away. I do recall that, but I believe... Um, I believe they kept Both Salt and Pepper are still alive. But Spinderella, you yeah. can't forget her influence. So. so they stopped towards the end of the 90s, but then they came back in the aughts and then kept going until now. I think they still tour. They would sometimes show up in Australia, you know, on those... Um, the big package tours, yeah, yeah, the big big day out type deals. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, and eighteen cents you can get that cool. for on Spotify. Oh no, sorry, on Discogs. Deal, what a deal. So who have we got next? Um, up next is Euphoria. Love you right. Now, international people may not know um, who Euphoria are. Um, is it fair to say, Tom, they're Australia's answer to Black Box? Is that a fair <laughs> assessment? Or uh, yes, yeah, or. Uh, a lot of the stuff that's coming up next, the Bingo Boys. Who did we have last week? <laughs> KLF. Exactly Similar. right. Not, not up to that standard, but no, yeah. we're definitely in. I don't know whether Euphoria yeah. are a, a B tier, but um, we're going to get a lot of Euro beats coming up. I think they did okay in. I think these, you know, this song did okay in the UK. Yeah, but probably not the US. Yeah, exactly. Um, look, I don't know. Strike it up. That's a great song. <laughs> the UK and Australia <laughs> worked into dance music earlier than the US, I think. I think it took the US quite a while to get into the EDM stuff. Yeah, certainly, certainly. But look, um, yeah, these guys were compared to other dance, pop or high energy acts, I guess, luminaries, I, I should say, Tom, like CNC Music Factory and 2 Unlimited. Sure. Um, yeah, look... God, I hope two unlimited pop up on Fuck that better. I mean, they've got a lot of hits. Twilight Zone, <laughs> um, No Limit, all those ones. But yeah. So this is an early dance pop um, banger, I guess. I'm going to call it now. It's. I don't think it's as good as Black Box songs. Right on time. No. Everybody, everybody. Um, but look, it's still, it still passes. I think it does okay. Um, but here's the thing, Tom. Um, I don't want to cast them in just a positive light and suggest that, that they are Australia's black box and they are the future <laughs> of music and they are really stepping it up to the next level um, because it, they do share some low-level fraud tendencies um, like black box uh, did. I see. Um, so a lot of people might not know this, but in September 1990, um, there was an American singer, Martha Wash. She sued black box um, for commercial appropriation because she became aware um, of a lip-syncing scandal perpetuated by the group. So what happened was um, she came in as a session musician, recorded apparently some demo songs, some black box demo uh. songs, 
Um, and then unbeknownst to her, Black Box retained her vocals on six songs, including a lot of their hits, Everybody, Everybody, um, Strike It Up, Fantasy. And then um, basically they just used um, a model to lip sync to her vocals oh, in music okay. videos, televised performances, etc., etc. Um, and then the record label sued, settled the case out of court um, and she was paid a, quote, substantial fee. Okay. So hey, a so little bit of a, bit of a Millie, sort of Millie Vanilli, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Millie Vanilli had to hand back their Grammy. Um, I guess there's a difference between doing live performances and just doing music correct, videos. Correct, yeah. Because, yeah. So that's right. I think um, with Millie Vanilli, they just had the live music vid. Uh, sorry, the live music Oh, and they collected a fucking Grammy too. That's yeah, right, exactly. They? They collected Whereas it. with these guys, I were just like, well, yeah, we never said that this person in all the music videos yeah. uh, and came on TV was the singer. She's yeah, just doing the lip The singing. sketchy thing is that they were demo versions, not... Um, <laughs> yeah, and look... Not um, the final track. So, yeah. And unfortunately, Tom Euphoria did almost exactly the same Ooh. thing. So, uh, Karen Minchell, who was a member of the group and provided all the lead vocals um, for Euphoria, and at the time of the recording, she was 42. So in the music videos, they got Holly Garnett, who was significantly younger and some may say more attractive member of the group to act as the lead vocalist in music videos, Yeah. even though she didn't provide any of the vocals. And then later on, I think they got, um, after a bit of controversy, um, they got the person that did do the vocals to appear in some later Euphoria video uh, clips. But for this one, Love You Right, if you watch this, yeah, the, the cheek can tell me she's song. not singing. She's yeah. not the one. She's not the one. Um, I think this video clip also features um, Simon Baker in the game. <laughs> I remember last week from <laughs> Melissa Read My Lips. I think he's back for this. He just, just pops in up in all these things. But um, it begs the question, should the members of Euphoria and Black Box, for that matter, <laughs> should they be in prison? I think the only answer is yes, along with the guy behind Millie Vanilli as yeah. well. But yeah, I mean, really, I think Karen got off light here, uh, yeah. given that in the music video, Holly's dance outfit for the whole thing consists of a bra and not much else. Yeah. Speaking as a 42-year-old myself, my days of thrashing around a bra for 10 hours and pretending <laughs> to hump random black guys is officially over Absolutely. now. But um, yeah, I mean, this is like... Musically, this is very simple. It's really, it's basically just a drum track, a synth line, vocals, and then a big chorus, which is largely provided by the person who can actually sing, who is not the one you're looking at. And similarly, the video is the beginning of a tradition that all of these sort of upcoming dance bands would carry on for this whole decade, which is that you've now got sort of like six to eight people on screen who have to pretend that there is a lot more music happening than there actually is. <laughs> the technique to do this is usually by playing instruments that don't feature in the song, uh, pretending to play the obvious samples that are featured in the song, taking your clothes off or dancing in a spastic frenzy or doing all four at once to distract from the fact that one Yamaha home organ is playing the entire song plus <laughs> a pre-recorded vocal that's not coming out of the mouth of the person on screen. But yeah, I mean, it's a pattern that worked for a decade, so I'm not arguing with it. Um, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I completely agreed, but yeah, the, the musically, it's uh, not a lot happening um, in this one. But look, any, any uh, lyrics that I should be aware of? <sighs> That's the other pattern that emerges from these. Um, uh, stuff like, trouble you know, I'm in too deep, my yearning for your body has just increased, mm. so hold me now, baby, right till the end. Pleasure from the flesh must be God sent. 
Now, none of that shit rhymes, uh, but when people complain that dance music hasn't got lyrics or it has two phrases repeated 46 times in a row, they should remember that when you try to combine fast beats with sort of multiple syllable words to repeatedly re-describe the concept of something incredibly basic, like <laughs> wanting to love someone right or yep. dance all night, then this is the sort of shit that happens. Like nowadays they would just keep the chorus, dump the rest of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. they just figured out eventually, like in about the year 2000, that, oh, Chemical Brothers just like, we don't need fucking verses yeah, and songs. <laughs> you just get the catchy two-bit from the sample and get someone to repeat that 56 times. Like, otherwise, it's it's even more annoying to have 48 shit verses than it is to have none of them and just repeat those two lines. Oh, absolutely right. At least then you get a sort of hypnotic effect that lets you forget what you're listening to. Yeah. Um, and besides the pre-mentioned females in the band, there's also a dude in this band that just sort of, you know, hover yes. around the background and do he a bit of like, up later do a bit on, of, sp- I believe. <laughs> a bit of <laughs> spoken word, like, yeah, hold me tight, don't make a bit of that bullshit. So, um, yeah, he's around, but he sort of just hangs out. Cool record label. Yeah, absolutely. You can um, buy the vinyl for this. Tom's just, um, I, I've, I've just gone on to make sure that, um, my Discogs pricing is correct because <laughs> I couldn't believe it at first, but no, apparently um, $1.66. Oh, yeah. This will set you back, but um, I gather this is Australia only, so they probably didn't, well, maybe. It, yeah. Well, I don't think it was really international too much, so yeah. Um, On vinyl too, as we've said before, vinyl's now getting rarer and rarer. Years, the yes. only people keeping vinyl going for the next decade are DJs. Yeah, exactly. And they would often print small, small run Yep. Vinyl only, what they would call white label sometimes, which is just which is like clean skin yep. records. They wouldn't even bother doing a proper printing because the only people who are going to play it are DJs. Yep. So some of those white labels are now worth fuck tons of money because they never even came out really. You had to go to a you know a dance music basement shop yep. to get hold of them and stuff like that. So yeah, and I'm sure that's where you'd have to pick this up from, Tom. Quite from, possibly. From, uh, Love you, right? Euphoria. You'd have to get it. <laughs> A guy probably at sort of some sort of, you know, used, you know, car yard, maybe <laughs> out of a boot of um, sort of a Datsun or something like that. He'd probably have a, you know, a box full of Euphoria yep. uh, records. That's where you could get it from. So direct me to the Euphoria section. Absolutely. Point you there. <laughs> he would, he would. So Doll 66 Euphoria, they're not on Spotify. It was bound <laughs> to happen, Tom. Couldn't last forever. It couldn't last forever, but um, I had a look. They're not on there. There's um, a couple of Euphorias on Spotify, but they're not. No. Wow. They've, yeah, um, I think this is their only album, isn't it? I think, I think they so. only did yeah. one album, so I, I don't, I don't think they've got much more. Nearly thirty yeah. years in the ground now, so yeah. yeah. Look, I, I've clicked on a lot of Euphorias, like there's because. Surprisingly, there's about 50 artists that have that are called Euphoria, like just an absolute shitload. So I wonder if you might be able to turn up their stuff on some 90s dance jams or something. Yeah, the band itself has no presence on. Yeah, look, it's on YouTube. I could probably <laughs> probably have a look on on YouTube and. Um, no, that's a... all right. That's that's interesting. <laughs> that's our first zero out of all the crap that we've covered so far. No one's had no presence on Spotify. So yeah, exactly. Um, two hundred and thirty-two thousand views. Yeah. Of the music video on YouTube for "Love You Right." So there you go. So. 
let's then that's it's been on there for eight years, so that doesn't equal a lot per year, but that's fine. Don't worry about it. All, All right. Good. So up next, seventh of March. Seventh of March for four weeks. Julian Lennon Salt Water. Julian is back again. Yeah. Now, do you prefer John Lennon, Julian Lennon, or Sean Lennon? Do you have a <laughs> preference for the family? Um. Look, this is just pure Beatles nostalgia this yep. one so clearly this is just it's like after his previous album he's just going no people just want me to just do what my dad did like <laughs> truly I mean the whole arrangement is pure Beatles he's, he's singing exactly like his dad here yep. even the solo was helped like George Harrison apparently supplied some um uh-huh. like some tapes which he's kind of worked into the soul the, so that's yeah Maybe that explains the success of this song. He was he did okay in Australia, like you know, and and the UK. I'm not. I don't think Americans were as keen on it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the appeal of it, as like you're saying, asking who you prefer. This is the closest thing you could get in 1992 to a new John Lennon song about a new topic. You know. Yeah. Absolutely right. And this one being about the environment, that is, instead of war or taking LSD on a golf course in the rain or something like that. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, Tom. This is um, Timing's a really big thing, isn't it? This was a Total. number one in Australia um, and the UK. So John Lennon's so, been dead four years at this point, I think, was it? No, I died in 1980. So oh, sorry, yeah, for 11 shit, years, 12 but, years. Yeah, yeah, for a while, 12 years, yeah. But um, I guess the point is that, yeah, this is a song about environmental destruction um, and it, uh, climate change, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. Um, and it was a number one hit in Australia and the UK, so it must have resonated with people on some level. But, yeah. um, you know, I think singing about climate change in 1991, a lot of people would have just thought you're out of your fucking mind, don't you think? <laughs> I think like, people would have been like, the hell is this guy talking about? Even people say that today, so imagine yeah. 30 years ago. Man, I can vaguely remember, like, it's extremely easy to take the piss out of earnest stuff like mm. this. I mean, this is very over-earnest, but so is Imagine, you know. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember seeing Ben Elton live at around this same time, and he was doing stuff about the environment, like yep. comedy, and people gave him shit and called him a tree-hugging wanker for trying to influence people to, you know, not burn forests and <laughs> recycle and stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, even people who generally agree with the sentiment tend to cringe a bit if anyone tries to be sincere about changing the world, you know. Never expect a pat on the back for being ahead of the curve, Ben, is what I'm saying. Absolutely right. Yeah, for sure. At um, best, people will call you a preachy twat. Yeah. Worst, Rupert Murdoch will try to destroy your career. But, you know. Yeah. If you went to one of those climate-denying rallies that they have, um, you know, you've seen them, Tom, on the news and around the world, people have them. If you, you think if you showed up to that and, you know, people are sort of like, because obviously you've got... Well, usually the rallies are there'll be a group of people that are there saying, you know, you know, let's stop using mm. oil and, you know, fuck BP and those sorts of things. And then there'll be another group of people that are like, oh, you guys are, you know, wankers, tree huggers, that, that sort of stuff. Yep. You think if you showed up to the climate <laughs> deniers with a boombox and a copy of um, Saltwater by Julian Lennon on Casingle <laughs> and played it to them, do you think they could be swayed? Could, could, would they listen to this song and go, we were wrong all, all along, we've been reading the Herald Sun all this time, they've been lying to us, mm. you know, perhaps if I, you know, I'm going to start reading The Guardian, thanks Julian, I'm going to swap over, I'm going to throw down all my signs and go join, I'm going to, you know, set fire to my car, I'm going to go buy a Tesla tomorrow, stop eating meat, etc, etc. Could this song sway people? Could it have that effect? Probably not, let's be honest. I think that was Ricky Gervais' joke about, you know, 
if you're into war and war is your favourite thing in the world and you're in a plane flying over a country getting ready to bomb it and then Boy George comes on the radio and does that war is stupid, people are stupid <laughs> song, how likely are you to go, fuck George, and then turn the plane around and go back. But I mean, you know, representation is a thing as well. Like if there was maybe a sitcom featuring a wacky but lovable neighbour who was into recycling and, you know, hugging trees in 1992, you know, maybe played by a hot hippie chick, you know. Yeah, you know, And that sitcom was on for 17 continuous years as they used to be back in the 90s. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could, you could change people's minds without even knowing it. They'd suddenly start to come around to the idea... It's funny you mention that, Tom. I I could personally see Julian Lennon knocking on the door of the house of Dharma and Greg or something like that, yes. walking in and just playing, just going, oh. I forgot about Dharma and Greg. Yeah, that was basically the idea of yeah, Dharma and Greg. Yeah, for sure. She was wacky because sometimes she'd like, you know, stand on a box or something. Yeah, it was like, oh, care about other people. It's weird. He's a capitalist and she's a free-spirited <laughs> hippie. Oh, it, it could never work. I remember probably laughing did. at that occasionally. That's true. Yeah, I've not seen it for some time. I don't know how well it's aged, I but it's... I can't remember uh, that, the guy's name, but he had this awesome sort of permanently haunted look about him, which was quite amusing. <laughs> because <laughs> he was yeah, he was forced to act. He'd signed a contract. Many was on Dharma and Greek Possibly. for the next 12 years. <laughs> I can never escape. Exactly. Yeah. I've bought this house in LA that I can only afford to pay for <laughs> if I'm on Dharma and Greek for do, 12 do years. Do you like this song? What do you think? Um, honestly, I hadn't heard it Probably it's not. You're not going to hear this at the IGA. It doesn't get a lot no, of power. I think you don't no. hear it a lot these it days. Big at the time, be, but it didn't hang on. Seems to have sort of been packed away. So I did listen to it for um, for this, and um, it's not my favourite. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I, like I like the earnestness of it, and that yeah, that someone was he was trying to sing something he was passionate about yeah. back in the day, which is good. Um, but it does sound a little bit just too derivative of his father for me to sort of be like super into it but look it's by no means a bad song it's a lot better than a lot of other stuff on here I'm not saying earnestness is necessarily good especially not when it this isn't preachy though I wouldn't say that he's not even really saying we have to do something about this he's just saying this stuff on the news makes me real sad and that Yep. Like, which is fair enough. Salt water wells in my yeah, eyes, Tom. It might have no sense of humour. It might be super derivative, but it is a pretty nice song, I reckon. If you can just completely ignore the fact that it sounds just like his dad. Yep. Uh, and the people at Aria thought so too, because he performed this with Jenny Morris at oh. the Aria Awards this year. That, For the people who don't know, Australian music and Australian TV and Australian movie awards tend to feature one nominal C-list overseas guest <laughs> per year that they will pay some ridiculous amount to come over to Australia, get shit-faced drunk, and then stagger around on stage not knowing who anybody is. Who's the biggest person in the world? Michael Jackson. Can we get him? No. Can we get Janet Jackson? No. Can we get Latoya Jackson? Maybe. Maybe, yes. Can we get John Lennon? He's dead. Can we get Sean Lennon? He doesn't no. want to. Can we get Julian? Yes. Well, he's actually in town anyway. So <laughs> That's right. Because he's, he's touring at the moment. He's so asking, it's just, will there be free booze in the green room? Yeah. Yes, there will. Does so it's generally that. Else? And then you, they'll team, that's right, and maybe get teamed up with a local sort of celebrity, mm. in this case, Jenny Morris, um, of She's Got <laughs> To Be Loved um, fame. So, yeah. Which uh, unfortunately didn't make it to number one, so we won't get to talk about her ever, but that's fine. <laughs> um, anything else to say about this one? 
Oh, not really. I mean, the lyrics are this sort of thing. Yep. They're all about how we, we like the deep stage and seen photographs of Mars. We're so enchanted by how clever we are. Why should one baby feel so hungry? She cries. Salt water wells in my eyes. Oh, yeah. Mm. So it's also about starving kids in Africa. So he's touched on Oh, he's got it all. Yes, he's got the whole in the ozone layer. He's yep. got starving kids in Africa. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a verse about putting on frangas as oh, well. It would like, be. definitely. But yeah, I mean, again, it's over serious and a bit wanky but it is not he's not saying you know hey let's tell the Africans that it's Christmas time that's true is there a verse about planned obsolescence of Apple products (laughs) if it came out nowadays yes there definitely definitely would be for sure saltwater wells in my eyes Tom when my phone (laughs) grinds to a halt after three years but alas I've taken the headphone jack away (laughs) saltwater wells Um, so look to answer the question 9.1 million Spotify listeners for the dad for the oh, dad, oh, for John. Okay. Jesus, yeah. Get on for um, Julian's got 233,000. Yeah. So a few less. And he Sean's got 79,000. So really? he's, he's right down the bottom. But, I thought um, Sean had more cool appeal for a while, but I think I don't think either of them have done much musically well, well, for a long time. Yeah, well, Julian Lennon's had a couple of hits, hasn't he, in the, in this out? Like two number ones. We've talked yes, about him before. Yeah, totally. Whereas Sean, I don't think, probably had any. So Sean had... People interested in him in the aughts, I remember oh, yeah. that. But then I think his, he had more of a hipster appeal, but I don't think he's done much recently. And Julian Lennon hasn't done anything for ages other than occasionally pop up on, you know, what happened to them type yep. things. Yeah, Sean Lennon did a duet with Max Cavalier from Sepultura. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, not a lie. So. No, no. <laughs> so, I don't uh, believe it. Good times. And 34 cents on Spotify. Um, yeah. Yeah, so all right. There you go. Who have we got next? Oh, fucking the 12th man featuring MCG Hammer. Is that clever? I don't know. With Marvelous. Now, fucking hell, I'm still two dark. Two weeks. Still, yeah, two weeks of this. I'm still dark on the 12th man, a.k.a. Billy Birmingham, for that fucking Australiana song <laughs> we that we did back in week one. Do we need to explain who he was? He's a comedian who pretends to be a cricket commentator, mostly, yes. or does jokes about cricket commentary, sporting yep. commentary. Shit. So he showed up before. The 12th man showed up back Multiple in 1984 times. or five, back uh, one mm-hmm. of the early episodes of this, where he did... That was just him doing like commentary, like, yeah, oh, it's not even a song. making it's just... fun of Pakistani surnames and like yep. saying shit occasionally. But then he'd come back again recently. Yep. There was another one. Oh, yeah, that was the Australiana. So, because he, he, he wrote that. Is that. This is the second one. Oh, yeah, okay. I think no, he has I another, one, he had another one. Maybe he has. I hope he hasn't. Maybe he has. <laughs> so, anyway, he goes for a song on this one. He's, he's yes. written a song. This is an actual mm. song where he sings about being a cricket commentator and Singing then he is the does, word yeah, that you could use to talks describe it. and he gets other people in. Now, MCG Hammer, because <laughs> MC Hammer is a singer. A rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, although so I think far. by this stage you may have dropped the MC and was just going by <laughs> Hammer at this stage. Let's say he's still called um, for the purposes. Of and the show. MCG is a cricket ground in Australia, the Melbourne cricket ground. So mm. so he's going MCG Hammer. Is that clever? <laughs> it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. No, it's not. Um, it's <laughs> as, as clever as Yankovic yeah level. It's as good as the lyrics from Australiana though, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he have co- a go, Anna. No, he wrote ostentatious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was talking about. No, but, but but there was he had another song. Oh, he had yeah, he had the Pakistani cricketers' song, and he wrote 
ostentatious. That's Australiana. Australiana, yeah. yeah. So he's had two. So this is his third yep. entry, really. Going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I so, knew there was another one. Yep, yeah. so we we, um, we we are dark on <laughs> yes. him for several reasons because yes. that shit sucked, as, is, as I said. This is the then. first one that's actually technically a song. <laughs> the other two aren't songs at all. They're just spoken. The first one he just wrote and didn't um, talk at. But anyway, look, this this sucks. So what do you got for you, yeah. Tom? Yeah, uh, look, I mean... Yeah. I should point out now that he does the character of Richie Benno, who's an old Australian cricketer <laughs> who was a commentator forever, and he's dead now. <laughs> so is the reason that this song isn't popular at the moment that kids have no idea what the fuck it's about <laughs> at all? Well, if there's one thing I know, Ben, it's that Gen Z love a novelty song uh, yeah. on the charts, and they care about the charts. If there's one thing <laughs> they love more than a novelty song on the charts, it's a novelty song featuring rapping done by old white people. Yep. And if there's one thing they love even more than that, it's an oldie song which is entirely white rap by old people about extremely dated cricketing references, sung from the perspective of a commentator who was 62 at the time and is now dead. Yep. So, yeah, what I'm saying is that the world is crying out for a Little Nas X remix of Marvelous 2021 <laughs> with DJ Sammy on the decks and a verse by some chick who used to be a stripper. I reckon yeah. totally you could get this back on the charts. Absolutely right. Look, I think it's time. The time is now. Let's make those phone calls. Little Nas X is probably, after the Satan Shoe debacle, he probably has a bit of free time. Um, DJ Sammy, haven't heard from her for a while, so she's pretty ready to go. And there's no shortage of ex-strippers that would be prepared to do a 12th Man cover, I think. Mm. Now, look, credit where credit's due, Tom. The 12th Man is the only Australian recording artist in history to have seven consecutive number one albums. God almighty. Now, what does that say about us as a nation? <laughs> I can't be mad at Billy Birmingham, but I can be mad at the general public for time after time just going out and buying a fucking heap of copies of this. I think the only thing I can think of is that it's the choir boys thing again. Like, every single friend's dad I knew had one Wide World of Sports tape, cassette tape in the car somewhere. If you rootled around under the seats enough, you'd come up with something. Yeah, I mean, again, once again, these aren't music. They're just recordings of comedy, technically. It's not really... It's kind of like a shitty radio program, sort of. But yeah, it's yep. really hard to describe. Yeah, look, I think, dare I say that um, if young people listen to this today, um, <laughs> he would be cancelled almost immediately because mm. there's a lot of dare, probably racist, sexist references, well, some homophobic I mean, stuff some in there lyrics. as well, probably. I don't know. But yeah. uh, what do you got for me? Hey, hey, you too. Now, it doesn't really matter. Look, no one gives a stuff if Big Merv's a little fatter that's a cricketer that no one would care about just as long as we're thrashing those packies or poms or sri lanka or the windies doesn't matter where they're from true i mean if that doesn't get gen z interested i don't know there's <laughs> <laughs> one thing they love it's dead dead cricket commentators singing about retired cricketers using racial epithets for various uh sub african countries Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, look, Tom, the twelfth man isn't on Spotify either, so we've had a we've had a bad week for for Spotify. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, he must be there somewhere. There's maybe someone, maybe they don't have. Someone's maybe. made a playlist of the twelfth man, but he doesn't. But he he, he doesn't seem to be. There, yeah, he's probably like, retired or dead now. Yeah, exactly. Billy Birmingham is his name, in case we didn't already say that. Yeah. Um, do you reckon he's probably he wouldn't have to work anymore, would he? Like he'd be he'd be good. Seven to go. consecutive number one albums, even in Australia. No, I don't think you would have to work again. 
Um, yeah, so... I mean, like you say, credit where credit's due. For shit you could have recorded into a tape deck in your garage, you know, with occasional sound effects added by, you know, honking a horn or recording the TV playing Wide World of Sports on a Sunday. Fucking, you know... Yeah, absolutely. a lot of albums. For sure. The cash register. For sure, oh, for sure. So, unfortunately, um, yeah, super sorry about not being able to get you any um, Spotify details. But look... Um, oh, you know how you could get Gen Z interested? Yeah, how's that? Or a certain segment of it. Just start saying that um, he's been cancelled. Yeah, yeah, look, I about think... About 40% of the population will buy him just on the basis <laughs> of that, even though they don't know what cricket is or how it's played. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Look... Even this twelfth, even tr- I'm trying to find this this action on um, marvelous um, five dollars. <laughs> That's the most expensive one we've had so far. Five bucks on Jesus. vinyl. No, just on anything. God CD almighty. single or cassette single. I think so. Yeah. Um, Jeez, there'd be some rich guys in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Riverside, um, I think. Yeah, genre hip hop. <laughs> purportedly <laughs> yes but it also says, certainly some dope jams on that so absolutely so yeah so that's good anyway uh, look I don't have anything more to say about this no that's, no okay up next um, for four weeks 18th of April is the Red Hot Chili Peppers Ooh. Under the Bridge Ooh, this was big this was huge yeah absolutely look there's not a lot of number one songs about scoring heroin yet, as far as I know or no, are there there aren't there's not a lot of songs about scoring heroin that have Weird Al Yankovic parodies either like that's you know I mean say what you like about Weird Al Yankovic but to get an official parody by him with a video you have to be of cultural moment as they say you know like you don't get he doesn't just do any old thing yeah no I mean Tom do you prefer this version or the cover by um, UK girl group All Saints (laughs) I should say just while you mentioned that um, I did say previously that I thought that someone from All Saints was married to Fat Boy Slim I was completely wrong that was bollocks he was married to a like Radio 1 DJ Um, yeah okay but anyway, um, I think there are not a lot of number one songs about scoring heroin. I think the irony is that this is the song that got them into the mainstream, really. Uh, They've been okay. around since the 80s, uh, early 80s, like they're in, a, <laughs> they're in an awesome uh, skateboarding movie you may have seen from the very early 80s <laughs> called Radical, yeah. which has Josh Brolin. <laughs> Does it? A.K.A. the grizzled old man from No Country for Old Men, the old cowboy, uh, as um, a radical thrasher who shreds his stuff on the half pipes of um, L.A. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers appear as the band. Uh Like, that that was from their early, like, I don't know if that's Uplift Mofo party plan or something like that. But, like, I think the irony here is that, you know, They'd been doing disgusting, filthy songs about sex and drugs for like a decade. And then he finally does a serious one about scoring heroin under a bridge. <laughs> and it ends up taking them to the top of the fucking charts worldwide. Like, and this kind of, this really was the start of their, their mainstream career. It was produced uh, by Rick Rubin, who went on to do their next like seven albums. Ah, okay. and, um, and he was the one who encouraged Anthony Kiedis to share what was he think I think he said it was he found it in one of his sketch his books that was like a poem or something and he he, he said oh I don't like he's like this is too, this doesn't match anything we do like it's too dark it's not it doesn't go with our vibe he was like no no man you got it you should play it to the band and they f- did the music to fit uh, the song 
and it like he was right like it doesn't really fit the usual vibe but it works like yep. it was fucking huge the album was number one in Australia New Zealand Canada it was three in the US five in the UK which is pretty good for guys who had previously been mostly well known for singing songs about uh, getting fucked by female police while wearing a sock on the end of your dick on stage <laughs> they were not mainstream and no yeah. no not at all look Tom I think um, I'm going to answer my own question here because you've I, I know that it's a difficult question to answer. You've refused to. You've been very diplomatic to say which one you prefer, Red Hot Chili Peppers or All Saints. I'm a big fan of the All Saints version yeah. um, because personally, yeah, I like it because they strip out all the drug references and make it a lot more family friendly. Um, it's something that you can put on, you know, just for the grandmother at Christmas time. Um, and much like 99% of Red Hot Chili Peppers songs after this one, it makes for great inoffensive background music. <laughs> Yes, is that this a fair was assessment? Definitely the tipping point of that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and look, yeah. So, music video was directed by Gus Van Sant. Oh yes, yeah. Is this his finest work? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was eminently sort of again. It was kind of influential. I think. Yeah, I like think so. a little bit like um, your. Uh, Never mind video. No, yeah. yeah um, it smells like Teen Spirit yeah, type thing. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't that people directly copied it, but you saw the style in it kind yeah. of be sort of. It, it began. It kind of those two sort of formed a template for a lot of the sort of grunge slash alternative yep. videos. Absolutely, that, that sort of pseudo arty kind of look that that came to yeah. yeah for sure and as you said Tom like obviously their previous work there was a lot of drug references a lot Definitely. of we're fucking around you know yep. all this sort of stuff their original guitarist died of a heroin overdose I believe mm-hmm. so there's been a lot of you know drugs in the band and sort of yeah I one think, of them left for a long period for years because he was struggling with heroin absolutely yeah, yeah. and I think sort of Dave um, Navarro was kicked out of the band for being on various drugs as well if you're kicking Dave Navarro out um, <laughs> yes. then Dave Navarro must have been doing something real bad <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting kicked out of a band for using too many drugs where their MO is effectively taking drugs. But um, so, yeah, look, I don't know. Anthony Kiedis, I think, um, in his he wrote a biography, which I think was quite open and honest about, um, you know, his struggles mm. with drugs over the years, et cetera, et cetera. Tissue. That's yeah. correct, yeah. Um, and he says that I think, I think now I think he's sort of clean as far as I know and, and sort of denied having a drug relapse as far as I know. I think he, he is clean now. But... Um, I don't believe that, Tom, because have you read the lyrics to the song By the Way? Do you have you I haven't. No, I know the song. Um, approximately. So, um Steak Knife Card Shark, Con Job Boobs Cut, uh, Boot Cut, sorry. Skin that flick, she's such a little DJ, get there quick by street but not the freeway. Turn that trick to make a little leeway, beat that nick but not the way we play. Dogtown, Bloodbath, Ribcage, Soft Tail. Blackjack, dope dick, pawn shop, quick pick. <laughs> Makes no sense at all. That's mm. that's that's the sort of lyrics of a man that's on drugs. <laughs> that is not the, the you know the lyrics of a sober man. That is a guy. Mm. It does sound that a bit is like off Jesse his from fucking Breaking face. Bad, dropping yep. some scat rhymes for sure. Um, <laughs> some scatty. For sure, I didn't read them all out. I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. No, I see so, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, good stuff under the bridge. Um, yes, I believe as, that when Dave Navarro was kicked out, he did level a few charges of hypocrisy at 
uh, Anthony Kiedis for accusing him of being too off his feet. Yeah. But anyway, he had episodes of Ink Master to appear on, so he wasn't too far. <laughs> he did. I think he had an appointment to give Marilyn Manson a blowjob or something. <laughs> Dave Navarro, um, he's always got a lot of good hats, which I like about <laughs> that guy. Um, and he's always dating, well, I don't know about now. But he was always dating someone from Baywatch or something back in the day. So. I always thought it was a bit of a shame that he didn't lean into the androgyny thing. Yeah. He always just had that tedious industrial rocker look he with did. the goatees and the shit tribal tattoos and stuff. He's one of the most feminine looking men I've ever seen. If yep. he leaned in, he would make a much better androgynous rocker than um, Marilyn Manson ever did who just oh, looks like that sure. weird guy from up the back of the class in high school that nobody talks to Yeah. whereas yeah Dave Navarro really does have that kind of look but he, instead of that he just wears leather vests and shaves his chest yeah he does he does he, he his I don't know his wardrobe would be 98% leather do you think oh, or I think around so around that sort yeah. of mark yeah. all those um, you know those <laughs> stretch semi-translucent nylon shirts that look like you've got tattoos. <laughs> so you wear it over the top of your tattoos. It's got like Ed Hardy tattoos drawn on it. So yep. you can put it on and then you're wearing double tattoos. He'd have yeah. that. He'd have that on top of his tattoos with a leather vest, um, leather pants, a leather hat, possibly. He's got mm -hmm. a soul patch. Just um, one drawer entirely full from top to bottom with just librette studs. Yeah, just like sure. slightly different variations of little bits of metal that you can stick through the bottom of your lip. You know? Absolutely, yeah. It's a pity um, he doesn't show up more in this. I don't think because he's, he's not <laughs> in the Chili Willies anymore. So no, and, and he wasn't then either. No, he, he wasn't either. Unfortunately, um, but um, we unfortunately don't get to talk about any of his other musical projects. I thought this. I thought Blood Sugar Sex Magic might have been the high watermark for them, but it wasn't. Like one hot minute was even bigger. Like this was just this. This was their mainstream thing, you know. Uh, oh, was it on. in terms of yeah? Oh, for, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for this sure, got yeah. them onto the mainstream charts, but then they, you know, yep. they kept going. Up and Tom Spotify, um, twenty-one million listeners. Fuck it. Well, it doesn't surprise me. They're that's, still on the radio um, now. They still get Yeah, quiet. that's one of the, the highest, I think, out of all the people we've spoken about. And this is 50 cents on the Discogs, but they would have printed 10 billion of these probably oh, at the sure. time, no yeah. doubt. And so, yeah. Kiss that dyke. I know you want to hold one. Not I'm struck, but I'm about to bowl one. Some of the other <laughs> lyrics I didn't read out. They're good, aren't they? Very, very that's good. The bit at the end where he just shouts yep. a lot. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it doesn't sound anything like the rest of the song. No, no. I am a, personally, I'm a big fan of uh, their cover of Roller Coaster from the soundtrack to Beavers and Butthead Do America, which is oh, a fun yes. song. That is fun. Absolutely. <laughs> they didn't write it, but it's a good cover. Yep, yep. Um, any lyrical highlights for this? Uh, no, I think I've read out some of those bits from previously and you've got it, you've got covered some earlier stuff. I mean, it's all pretty straightforward, really. The, the chorus is, uh, the, the controversial line, the one that they would have excised from the All Saints version is, yep. uh, what is it? It's under the bridge, uh, is where I drink some blood. It's where I drew some blood. Drew some blood. Yeah. And he said, he said, I was, he said, during this period, he was sober. He'd gone to, I think he'd gone to rehab and he was flat sober. And he said, but the other guys in his band were still smoking pot and stuff. And he said it was starting to make him feel more distant from yep. them. Like, because he'd had this terrible past and he'd escaped it. But then he'd sort of, you know, and he said, he was driving home one night and he said, I started to think about uh, his ex-girlfriend, Ioni Sky, who was a sort of 80s, 90s. She's the girlfriend in... Um, 
pump up the volume. Oh, she was kind yeah. of a very attractive Hollywood actress. One of Christian said, Slater's finest hours. <laughs> yes, and he said, like, I was thinking about, like, we were going out for years and I had this beautiful woman who was obsessed with me and loved me and she would be sitting at home and instead I would be down in the fucking LA river under a bridge with these gangsters shooting up speedballs. Yeah. Like these greasy deros. And, and I just sort of thought, what the fuck was I doing? So that's where the kind of original thought came from. But yeah, so I can understand it, that is, but it's that little bit of edge that gives it, that's something real, you know. It's not just some dark fancy. It's no. like a kind of it's a it's a sad thing. Like you know, he's not still doing it. He's just like, geez, that was fucked up. I can't believe if I did that shit. Absolutely. Look, I think it's <laughs> also the up. choir. The choir bit in the chorus oh, gives yeah. it that cool bit as well. It's like a little children's choir bit in it too. Definitely. Yeah, it still holds up. I think it's a pretty good song. Yeah. Um, I think pretty much everything they've done after this is garbage. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. Uh, no, it's okay. They, they sort of got kind of boring, I think, after this. Like, I, the I edge found is, it a bit The boring. edge is sort of like, yeah, they had this song and previous was edgy stuff. And, you know, the, and then the they album, sort of... The prior album was very big at high school because it was so filthy that it was almost like... We couldn't really get hold of gangster rap back then. But yeah. it, was, it was like the white person equivalent of gangster rap because every song was about sex, drugs, violence... And it was full of disgusting language. What, yep. What's that? Um, Mother's Milk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mother's Milk was the one before that. And that was... This is pretty dirty, but that was just filthy. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So there you go. Good stuff. And now, I don't know what they sing about. Yeah, some bullshit. You know? Bloody... <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. Um, there, did did I say... Yep. Stun Spotify. Everyone knows. 21. A lot of, lot of people listen to 21 mil. Um, yeah, nothing more for that? No, that's All right, it. good. Up next for three weeks, uh, 16th of May, Mr. Big to be with you. Ooh, just when you think the power ballads are done, Fuck they yeah. pull you back They in. do, they do. This, this is really like late 80s just sort of like holding on for dear yeah. life in 1992 shows um, that there was still a market for it three weeks at number one absolutely. at least in Australia there were plenty of people still living in the 80s oh look these guys were definitely a one hit wonder but what a fucking hit this is a banger <laughs> I still listen to this three four times a day oh, um, man. I'm sure this still gets played at Bogan Weddings to this day oh holy shit yeah it's fantastic um, who wants to yeah, build up your confidence so you can be on top for once. Wake yeah. up, who cares about little boys that talk too much? <laughs> exactly. I've seen it all go down. Yep, the game of love was all rained out. God, oh, I don't even, I'm not even reading these, I just know. No, I've got, well, I've got them tattooed on my arm. So <laughs> the game good. of love is all rained out. Yep. That's 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 uh, that's good cheesy lyrics. That sticks in your head. It's, it's a visual. It lyric. makes no fucking sense, but it's no. great. The game of love, yeah, the game of love was all rained out. So, look, this is fantastic. Yeah. This is a great yeah. song. This is probably one of the last power ballads we're probably going to touch on almost. In, in the classic in this, power yeah. ballad thing yeah, where, where gonna... it jams out, it's got a guitar, yeah. you know, break. It builds and builds and builds yeah. to the, you know. There's a lot of, yeah. I think it's got later nice on, harmonies and stuff in it. It's oh, got actual good singing and shit. For sure, yeah. We Sorry, I say last power ballad because post-grunge by the late 90s and early 2000s does involve some like, Hinder lips of an angel type shit. Oh, yes. Power. They're still power ballads, but this is a classic era yes. power ballad, I think. Yes. So, for sure. Pre-irony, um, again. So, yeah, these guys um, are still, to this day, massive in Japan. Big um, in Japan. And they played their 100th show in Japan in the year 2011. Jeez. Um, and they're on hiatus from 2002 to 2009. Fuck. So... 
that's a lot of shows in Japan. They must so going off that they must play a lot of shows each year. I can only um, imagine that they and Cheap Trick just exist in an endless yeah. cycle of opening for each other Probably. at the Budokan in Japan. No doubt. You know. Um, one guy leaves the stage and the next one come on and then they just open for each other in a perpetual never-ending never, day-night never cycle and, exactly yeah. exactly because um, when you if you look at the Wikipedia article for Big in Japan um, there's a picture of Mr. Big they're like on there as like <laughs> the definition of Big in Japan perhaps they were originally called Mr. Big in Japan <laughs> they, they might have been that and they shortened it down yeah um, and look obviously everyone's heard of being big in Japan, it's just what means you're disproportionately yes. more popular in Japan you than you are in the rest of the world. Per so. cheap trick, yeah, exactly. Being the original, I believe you said, with uh, was it the Budokan? Yeah, for sure, for the sure. First big, absolutely. Yeah. So cheap trick, one of the biggest. Yeah, probably first big in Japan bands. Mister Big is big in Japan. Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, apart from this song, how popular they were. In other parts of the world, I don't know. I'm yeah, not, I don't I'm really not know. sure either. This is all. Uh, this is. This all... is the only one I know. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, this was also from what I read. Um, this is sort of the ballad on the end of the album that they didn't really. I think they're usually a bit more of a hard rockin' crew. I would have um, thought so. Yes. So yeah. So I think this was sort of probably different from their other work, and a lot of bands did that. You know, extreme more than words that sort of yes. stuff. Like a lot of it was just super. If you were a hard rock band bordering on hair metal sort of action you'd release a ballad <laughs> on there and you'd surprisingly have a hit yeah and then in well, fl- later you could albums, go to number one with a ballad yeah. but you you might sell a lot of copies of um, pour some sugar on me but that's not likely to go to number one because yeah. it's it, there's a limited audience for shredding whereas if you can get a love song that also has a little bit of shredding in the middle of it people will yeah, go for it. Normal, Absolutely. Normal suburban mums will buy it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. So, Mr. Big, um, I guess the only, this is a really tenuous connection, but um, Richie uh, Kotzen um, is a guy that is in Mr. Big now. I, think, I don't yep. think he was in the band at the time, joined this band, but he was a former Poison guitarist oh. who played on the, he only played on one Poison album, um, Native Tongue, which features zero hits. Um, <laughs> is there a song that makes less sense than Unskinny Bop Tom? I don't know, Ben. What's confusing about, you're saying my love won't do ya. That ain't love written on your face. Well, honey, I can see right through ya. Well, who's riding who at the end of the race? What's right? What's wrong? What's left? What the hell is going on? <laughs> I mean, I think we've all been there, haven't we? Like, what's left? What the hell is going on? And that's what the audience said, because they were like, what the hell is going on? Um, because after that, he just sing, he just says unskinny bop over and over again. Apparently, he in the Wikipedia article I read, any, oh, maybe it wasn't Wikipedia, somewhere... Uh, he pulled what we're now going to call the purr defense from the Roxette <laughs> files, which is where you say that you just used it as filler. Yep. Like it has the right, and he just used it to fill in yep. and then couldn't think of anything better before the song came yep. out, which may explain why the album Native Tongue did not go to the heights of some of the No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it is a catchy song, but it's no... Um, it's no, ain't looking for nothing but a good time. Nothing but a good time. Which I think yeah. we've all been all fallen doing. angel, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's the placeholder lyric argument that Per, I think, he probably, Per invented that, I assume <laughs> he did anyway. And everyone's just like, oh, they'll placeholder that lyrics. Was for and, she's got the look. Yeah, where exactly. A lot of the lyrics just sound like you just But is that a good <laughs> enough excuse if it's just like they'll placeholder lyrics? <laughs> 
And then I'm an artist whose sole job is to write lyrics and I couldn't think of anything fucking better than the shit placeholder lyrics that I wrote, so I just kept them in there. It's just like, well, you're not really doing your job, are you? You're just sort of going, yeah, that'll do, phoning it in. But look, you know, we all do that from time to time, I guess. I've definitely read novels where there's one character who has got aspects of them where you think, I'm pretty sure they intended to come back and fix this later and then just forgot that they were going to do it. Didn't make a note, should have used a sticky note. Yeah, but some of my favourite films are those ones where there's just <laughs> plot points are just unexplored after the first three minutes. Yeah. Um, but ju- by comparison with that, this makes a lot more sense. Very simple, straightforward. Oh, absolutely right. Game of Love was all rained out. It was mm. fantastic. Mr. Big, check it out. This is great. Video clip, I think it's just a bunch of dudes sitting around. Yes, just with the hair that demonstrates that they still think it's 1988. They do think it's 1988. Full scale Richard Marks hazards to doorways. Just, and, like, yeah. just having a good time. Just a bit yeah. of fun. So just yeah. hanging out. And I think that's probably, yeah, I guess if you're in that rock and roll bubble where you're playing shows, you're not the biggest band in the world, but you're selling enough records and, you know, thousand-seater shows, you're probably, you're touring around, you're like, oh, okay, you know, this is fine. And then you don't actually go outside and see what other people are wearing. Hey, <laughs> you're not outside in daylight hours. In those you haven't days, been for four years. In those days, if you dressed like that in Japan, you would have stood out like a lion prowling the streets yep. with your giant mane of Western blonde hair. Yeah. Like, and back then, Japan was definitely five years behind Western culture, American stuff. So they probably thought they were still hot shit selling out the Budokan every night. And then they got back to America, got off the plane, people (laughs) were pointing and laughing at them (laughs) openly in the streets. Exactly. Do you think Mr. Big influenced Yakuza fashion? Um, (laughs) Having watched a lot of 80s Yakuza films, there seems to be a lot of fucking big hair in those. Well, they still seem to be dressing like it was the 70s in the 80s. Yep. So that would mean by now they should be dressing like girlfriend I think so yeah definitely <laughs> just uh, all floral print hats and... for sure for sure I reckon a lot of Yakuza are fans of Mr. Big I'm calling it now so <laughs> yes definitely. I think you're probably right so for sure okay speaking of the Yakuza who's up um, next Euphoria back <laughs> they're back with one in a million this one's only one week <sighs> who but said they were a one hit wonder yeah, not I. Di- I hope I didn't because it shows poor research on my part. Given that I only had to look two paragraphs down on my list of songs to see that they had another big hit. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what to say about this one. One and done on the album front. I think that was it. Yeah. So it was just sort of well, it, uh, love you right. One in a million, and yeah. This one fills in the gaps that the first song was missing from the early '90s pop dance checklist. Uh, background twat with an earring doing whispery spoken word vocals, <laughs> as you mentioned. Uh, video set in a fake nightclub. Simon Baker's up the back pretending to rave on. He's uh, in this as well, is he? Fake lead singer has swapped her bra for a transparent chainmail mini dress. I think someone else is wearing one of those dresses made of silver letters that were popular in the early 90s yep. for a mystifying <laughs> period of time. But yeah, like I, at the time, I honestly, I don't think I even knew that this was dance music. No. I just, I just think we just thought it was like pop. Like the first time I realised that EDM, which I didn't even hear the term EDM until about 2010. We just called it techno at the time. Yep. The first time I realised it was an actual new type of music was when my brother started playing, um, he had a CD player before I did. This yep. is, he just brought a brand new one. One of his first things he had was uh, Everybody in the Place by The Prodigy, which was their second single. Yep. And that was later on this year. And he just started playing that. And he would play it to people and that was just like, 
what's going on. Yeah, like, what the hell is this? And then he would have to explain what techno was because nobody had ever been to a rave, nobody had ever heard anything like this, like, the whole purpose. Like, I'm like, where's the lyrics? Does it just say everybody in the place over and over again? It's like, like yes, yep, it does. That's what it does. Yep. And the video is just, like, four British guys just dancing weirdly <laughs> in front of a bloody car park. And he's like, what? Is This is the new shit, is it? But, yeah, by comparison to that, this looks a whole lot more polished. Yeah. But you can definitely see the beginnings of... the fact that the video is a half-assed attempt at recreating a kind of club yeah not a cool club but the kind of club where people dance and everyone's wearing kind of dance clothes not full ball gowns and three-piece suits like they <laughs> mysteriously did in the 80s but yeah so yeah no i think this is the beginning of something but anyway absolutely right so um and after this song um holly garnett who was the uh, mimer not the actual singer uh, yes, yeah um she left the group um probably creative differences i guess <laughs> And she was replaced by Jodie Mears, who later went on to become Mrs. James Packer oh, and one of work on Getaway. So, yeah, this is the very beginnings of her career. For Americans, that's the guy who was also briefly married to uh, Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was he, he was married to... Oh, I don't, don't know whether he got married to Mariah Carey. I think he was... Oh, um, they, were, they, he, were the, he, they were going out. I think so, I think so. He's, a, yeah, he's effectively... He if you've to? seen Succession, he's just the real life... <laughs> One of the kids in that. Yeah, so. one of the dumb ones. <laughs> well, actually, not quite, because that's more of a Murdoch thing, the succession, I guess. But yeah, yeah so his dad, um, yeah, yeah, his, his dad was like a, a media, a was media he mogul. To Sophie? No, he was married to Kate Fisher. Oh, as yeah, well. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah anyway. That's true. That's true. <laughs> a lot of people, anyway. So, um, yeah. So it just goes to show that Euphoria was a great gateway to mm. appearing on a travel program. So yes. absolutely. Any good lyrics for this one? They are too boring to repeat and they're all mimed, as previously yep. mentioned. But, um, Is there something like, you're one in a million? That's it. You've heard the whole song. <laughs> that's yeah. about it. Um, as, as no changing my song, opinion. Yes, it's just, it's just reiterating this same yep. thing in various different ways. So instead of doing that, I was going to bring up another song from this year. Yep. Uh, a song called Ebenezer Good. Ooh, are you familiar yeah. with that? That was Man. number one in the UK this year. Yep. But it only got to 14 in Australia. Uh, but it was on, it would pop up on your countdowns and various bits like that, rage type thing. Uh, most people didn't even know what ecstasy was at this point, but uh, the shaman managed to get a number one hit with a <laughs> song that has the chorus, ease a good, ease a good, ease a good, with some clever wordplay involving a fictional person called Ebenezer Good. Yeah. Um, and it has lyrics like, you have to hear this in a Cockney accent, which means that he is pronounced E, you see. So, yeah, so you've got Ebenezer Good, leading light of the scene, know what I mean? He, he created the vibe. He takes you for a ride as if by design. The party ignites like it's coming alive. He takes you to the top, shakes you all around, then back down. You know, as he gets mellow, then as smooth as the groove that's making you move, he glides into your mind with a sunny hello. A gentleman of leisure, he's there for your pleasure, but go easy on old Ezer, he's the love you could lose. <laughs> so, I like Fantastic. these guys. Are, it's 92, no one even knows what ecstasy is. These guys have already taken so much ecstasy that they've figured out you should dial it back a bit on the weekend. <laughs> like, it's not just... But I, I was genuinely impressed that they managed to get... I remember just thinking, oh, this is a weird, catchy song with a wacky group, a couple of weird-looking uh, traveller-type dudes dancing around at Glastonbury or whatever. 
like, oh no, okay, this entire thing is just specifically about ecstasy. Absolutely. <laughs> it's Good also to got see. some great little Cockney rhyming slang bits in it as well. Yeah. Those little bits in the guys. <laughs> Anybody got any veras? Sorted. I can't <laughs> believe that didn't make it to number one here. Only 14, you say. Only 14. Look, number one in the UK. They were they were up the top of the thing with dance music. They oh, were ahead of the curve in yep. the UK. And that song, I think, significantly better than uh, this Euphoria song, yes. One in a Million. Yes. Um, and I just want to point out that this isn't a cover of the Guns and Roses song One in a Million I should point that out now it's not a cover of that song so don't worry you That's won't have to listen to I'm um, sure it's due for that to you, come you, back you won't have to listen to Euphoria sing such lyrics as immigrants and faggots they make no sense to me thanks mm. Axel so mm. what's um, that sound yeah. distant bell of cancellation yeah I think we've already cancelled Axel multiple uh, times look interestingly when um, I think got, even at the time Slash had his doubts about this song uh, yeah. I think he advised some, him not to some other lines in there that I actually won't repeat because they're worse than that but um yeah it's when I think Guns N' Roses uh, a couple of years ago maybe it was like the 30th anniversary of um, Appetite for Destruction or something like that they released like a box set oh, of yeah. Appetite for Destruction and then um, the the gun, GNR Lies yep, that's the, the follow up EP that um, has this song on it um, and they left it off so I think they probably <laughs> they had like all the songs and then a bunch of like demos and outtakes and all the bullshit that people do with stupid box sets these days but they left that song off because I think people realise that um, yeah lyrically not ideal so Euphoria haven't covered that just want to point that out I feel like with that sort of thing I'm I'm of the I mean I know there's various schools of thought on that but with that sort of thing I'm more of the mind like don't pretend that it never happened yep. I mean if you really want to put a red sticker on the front that says hey this song contains the word faggot yep. then knock yourself out but like you don't pretend that you never did this song and played it on the radio yeah know. I think um, record labels are very concerned about the sales <laughs> and the scale let's just leave that off but um, yeah look I, I think yeah, airbrushing stuff out of history is probably not ideal either but yeah you can just listen to that on YouTube or don't just oh, watch Euphoria totally. just listen to Euphoria it's all good um, I realised I forgot to point out Mr Big's Spotify oh yeah sure how many people are 3 million to? It's a lot. So good on Mr. Big for that. I'm guessing 2.9 million of them live in Tokyo. I think they do, yeah. I want to see the country breakdown, and you can get that for 30 cents, um, which is fantastic. Sure. What um, about Euphoria? Um, one in a million by Euphoria. Um, remember, they're not on they're Spotify. They're not on Spotify, as you um, And I can't actually find this. <laughs> it may not be on. Discogs is UK, is it not? Oh, international these days. $4.66. Wow, again, I'm guessing they just mustn't have printed many of these. No, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Uh, I probably wouldn't spend my $4.66 on that. I'd no. probably save my money, Tom, for... Um, are we moving on to next week? Sure, yes. Next week. A lot of Australians this week will actually just... Um, two Euphoria songs, MCG, Hammer and the Twelfth Man, which <laughs> fucking barely counts. And then another one... Uh, 20 June for two weeks uh, 13 June sorry two weeks girlfriend take it from me uh, yes take it from me I'll be good to you baby I had to listen to it again to remind myself but this was big at the time in Australia anyway oh absolutely these uh, are a manufactured girl group I believe so look um, yes. I'm calling them the Australian Spice Girls sure. I don't think that's and too far that's off perfectly appropriate um, their debut album Make It Come True was released in 1992 and contained four ARIA top 50 singles 
including this one, Take It From Me, which obviously went to number one. Mm-hmm. And the band, Tom, you mentioned it before briefly, they became very well known for their fashion sense. Yes, they definitely had that early 90s. Big flower love, hats. Love shack. Multicoloured. Absolutely. Silly, fun vibe. Yep. Um, at one point, they had their own clothing line. I assume distributed exclusively through like yes. Kmart or something <laughs> like that. But the production design aesthetic of Big Bang Theory was heavily influenced by Girlfriend, <laughs> although Girlfriend were much funnier. <laughs> yeah, uh, goes yes. without saying. Absolutely. Ha, you got to go. The fastest way to get there is the high part in you. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> anyway. It's not insulting enough. No. Um, so yeah, look, good on girlfriend. Um, take it from me. This is yeah. Watch this. It's basically '90s Australian mm. girl group action. Yes. That was sort of the prototype that you would see later on. For yeah, look, everyone knows who the Spice Girls yes. are. This is just like a sort of, you know, B tier Spice Girls, yeah. or sort of off brand Spice. Nowadays, Girls Nowadays you would, and as would later happen, you would have a fucking reality TV show, so you could milk the cow twice. Before you get the one number one and everybody goes back to the Coles checkout where they were originally working. So what's their origin? Were they manufactured? The original plan was that they would be an Australian-Asian targeted group, Mm -hmm. despite having no Asian members in the band. Uh, The girls were given Japanese lessons, toured Japan with this record, and re-recorded the whole album in Japanese. Oh, good. So they either learnt enough Japanese to sing most of the songs or must have learnt it phonetically. Uh, did this work, Ben? Not in the sense of working, no. But it <laughs> did have a forward-thinking attitude towards selling stuff in other countries, which I'd like to see. Yeah. But, you know, I like to think at least some of them learned a bit of, you know, stuff how to order sushi, you know. Absolutely. Look, it's all it's um, marketing, which I love that, you know, they've just gone out and said, let's just try and position this band to be big. Let's get them, you know, let's... Take on the J-pop. Let's get them in there. Yeah, you I know, don't know why gonna... J-pop. So, I mean, it's, it's like somebody went to, on holiday to Japan in 1989 and went, they love these, these the Iteru groups. You know, they love the girl groups. They maybe, love girl groups. Maybe they'd like a Western one if I could just make one here. You know, or maybe they were inspired by the way people just get four women, put them yeah. together and go, here, sing this. And then, yeah. You know, uh, Malcolm McLaren tried the same thing about a decade earlier and it didn't work out either. It's so. called the Sex Pistols. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think he tried it many times. <laughs> he, if it's been if it's been tried in the year twenty twenty, you can usually trace it back yes. and realise that that dude that did it first a long yeah. fucking time ago. But yeah, no, he did put together a girl group to try and make them big in Asia, and it didn't work out either. So surprisingly, oh, he him. did. He oh, did. Okay. Oh, really? Legit I thought did. you were just joking. no, no. He legit. It sounds exactly <laughs> like what he would have done. It's yeah, exactly no. what he That's did do. Yeah. Um, do you remember when one of the members left and they rebranded <laughs> as GF Four? Uh, yes, this yep. was the letters and numbers period of the nineties. Absolutely, sure. GF Four. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Just Keep calling it girlfriend. It's sort of like when four members left S Club 7, so they started touring as S Club 3. It's not quite the same thing, is it? It doesn't sort of have like quite S Club 3, it's sort of like, what? There's only... You're missing You're missing over half the group. So, yeah, anyway. Yes. Uh, Robin Lowell, that was... Well, she left the group to start a solo career. Yeah. Um, she later enjoyed minor success with the hit Sick with Love, which peaked at number 21 on the ARIA charts and released an album with that on it called Malaria. Uh, her next Shit. album was called Inflamed Swelling, and that was a flop, <laughs> although the single Definitely Not Benign did get performed on Hey Hey It's Saturday, so uh, yeah, that was good. 
Are there any highlights for, for the lyrics in this, Tom? I dare I say they probably aren't, but you're going to hit me with what you got. Uh, stop denying, stop defying everything I say to you. Love impending, never ending. That is what I offer you. Yep. Baby, want to make it clear that my love is sincere. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast at all, which should go without saying at this point that it took four random white dudes to come up with that. Yep. Uh, this whole group were very much a stock ache and watering can type fiasco. In fact, it's kind of surprising to me that they didn't do better in the UK off the strength of just being some four women who looked like they were just shoved in front of a camera yesterday and told to sing this stuff with hand mics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, this is terrible. It hasn't aged very well. Um, look, I do think their clothing line has aged better than the songs. Is that right? Yeah, they, were, they had a look and a You'd vibe. Wear... They were cheerful at the time. It's easy to mock this stuff but now, but there wasn't as much of it around then. It was oh, less common. Look, I would wear that one of those hats. I think the flower hats, um, probably. Um, I don't know. Did they? They were. They're also very young. That's what oh, you get. From, yeah. They look like they're all actual just teenagers. I think that's yeah, exactly like, right. Yeah. Exactly. If they're not, they cannot be long out of for sure. High school for sure. So look, um, you can pick up a copy of this for a dollar fifty on Discogs. Um, quite a lot. And on Spotify, Tom, unfortunately, they're one of the lowest, <laughs> 8,000 monthly listeners. Hey, but that's 8,000 more than Euphoria. It got. is true. And it actually <laughs> surprises infinity, me. infinity, depending on your concept of math. Yeah, definitely. They don't have a lot of um, <laughs> listeners, but probably more than I thought they would have. So yes, really no, no. Anyway, so I definitely... It's, like you say, there's a kind of nostalgia for this kind Take of thing. And as you say, like I think people remember their look yeah, yeah. A lot of these our a lot of these songs I remember from watching piss takes of the videos at the time. Yep. Specifically, I'm thinking of the late show. Yeah, <laughs> a lot absolutely. of things, but that means that they have stuck in my head much longer than. Yeah. So yeah, I think it might be a touch of only '90s kids. Yeah, deal, for sure. Yeah. Um, check out the music video on YouTube because yeah. the choreography is indeed fucking dog shit. They can't <laughs> dance at all. It's like they just yeah, no. as you said, it's like it's come in here. What, have yeah. you have you done any dancing before? Do you know what? Have you heard music? Do you know what music <laughs> is? Are you familiar with songs? Don't worry about any of that. Just do these moves. Here's a fucking flower hat on your way. So, but you will look at what you're wearing and think, I saw a girl down the street wearing that yesterday. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, look, I assume that none of the members were able to retire off this. They're probably still. They're probably like younger than I am. I don't actually know. They're, they're, they're not probably, younger, they're probably like five years. Full happy lives. I because, hope so. You know, their entire so. pop career was finished by nineteen. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the thing as well. Like, it's sort of you know they didn't try and ride this out for twenty years. Past no, they never would have earned so. enough to get a cocaine addiction or anything. Yeah, either. I mean, I'm sure you know one of them probably. I'm sure one of them. You know, they might all be mothers now. They might all just work regular jobs. They. <laughs> might some of them you know i don't know some robin though she where did go they solo where are they now it's a very quick so has anyone thought of that as a concept for a show where you try and find people and, and think about what they're doing in the present day when they had done something I with some moderate success in the past seal that into an envelope and copy it very copyright it absolutely for sure well, that's what Can we're gonna you believe she called her album malaria i absolutely cannot um <laughs> That seems Sequel insane. Love to me. is bad, but malaria is fucked. There is no second meaning to the term malaria. So, what was her name again? Robin. Robin Lau. Robin Lau. So I think she was path Polynesian. Okay. Not if Asian. Na- if not her name Japanese. was like Mel, and it was like malaria, I could run. I could run that. Yeah, but, but no. 
You know, there's nothing. Fucking hell, malaria! Like, what's that's insane. Anyway, okay. <laughs> hope she's still alive um, and not sick. If she died of malaria, that would be yeah. some sort of or jaundice, ironically. Um. So yeah, go check that out if you want. Up next for three weeks, crisscross jump. Oh, make you should you. know. You should know. Crisscross. It's not doing anything today. Something. Something something about Totally Crossed Out. Now, um, (laughs) Criss Cross, if you don't know who they are, they were a global phenomenon back when that actually fucking meant something. Nowadays, a cat in a box on the top of a fridge on Instagram or someone standing on a table lip syncing to the crash test dummies is a global phenomenon. Yes. That shit happens. Oh, I'm on a box. <laughs> I'm on TikTok. I'm lip syncing to fucking crash test dummies and 18 billion people watch that. Fucking stupid. But back then, crisscross were a literal global phenomenon. They didn't stand on any boxes. There no. were no gimmicks. So an art. They, okay, they wore their clothes backwards. There was that. <laughs> there was that one gimmick thing, True. and also they were really young. And they were okay. And they were twelve. Okay, a couple of gimmicks, but they weren't on top of a fridge. No. They weren't on a box. They weren't lip singing. They weren't drinking a fucking <laughs> drink on a skateboard. Whatever the hell that shit is. That, oh, ben, he's drinking fucking what is it? Some sort of ben, drink. Are you just jealous <laughs> because you have yet to go viral? Yeah, it's true, Tom. I'm always well, posting don't, stuff. Don't be upset. Look, if there's yep. one thing I've learned from watching TV shows written by 50-year-olds, <laughs> going viral is as easy as doing something vaguely embarrassing on camera. Then uh-huh. 20 minutes later, you get your millennial secretary to walk in saying, you've gone viral <laughs> while holding up a toaster or something. And then surely, surely we could just hire a millennial for half an hour to do Absolutely. that and then before you know it you've gone viral yeah that's good I mean yeah I think I would enjoy that certainly you know um, at a supermarket and me like you know free, go watch this and someone filming it and go look at this old fucking dude doesn't know what a pizza pocket is oh look at this haha so we could do that but yeah I think crisscross they didn't so much as go viral, Tom, as they just took on the music industry they sure and did. they succeeded. For um, unfortunately, their success did last about the same length of time as the cat <laughs> on top of the box also <laughs> That's lasted true. for. I mean, yes, granted, a lot of more skill went into it. It's as catchy as a motherfucker, this song. Yeah. And I think possibly one of the reasons that it is so catchy and it still is such an earworm is that it samples, <laughs> among oh, other yeah. things, How I Could Just Kill a Man, the yep. original Human Beatbox, The Humpty Dance, yep. R.O.P. Shock G, yeah. Midnight <laughs> Theme, O.P.P., no, find out what that stands for, Ask Your Grandma, <laughs> Saturday Night, Escapism, Sing a Simple Song, I Want You Back, Michael Jackson's been cancelled, can't catch you as fuck, Impeach the President, and Funky Worm. Consequently, <laughs> it credits 15 listed writers, <laughs> none of whom are the two Chris's as featured in the title of the song. Yeah, look, I love the fact that it used so many samples, so many great samples. But to good effect, though. It's like, a very good effect. still catchy as fuck. Um, the problem is, though, that when it came royalty time, <laughs> I had to split that cash yeah. a lot of fucking ways yeah. to the point that I'm not quite sure whether Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy really got any <laughs> cut, like, funds out of this at all. Yeah. They are great names, though. Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy. They are. They're pretty sweet rap they names. Um, yeah, this is catchy as hell. I think the follow-up single, Warm It Up, Chris, that's another great one. I'm <laughs> about to warm it up, Chris. Chris by the way, they were case, both As well Chris. as Mac Daddy slash Daddy Mac. Mac Daddy, Daddy Mac, both called Chris. Clo- and people legit wore their clothes backwards, I think, for a period of time. Not Very me, briefly, but um, yes. yeah, I think somebody... I, I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in an op shop you could still turn up a shirt... 
XXXL featuring uh, a Taz Devil provocatively wearing his jeans on backwards, yep. uh, throwing up a West Side in front of a Looney Tunes logo <laughs> as featured on every teenager in 1994 for some fucking unknown reason. But um, yes, look, very briefly, people did. I once watched a guy walk past uh, a what we used to call a wigger, which has almost certainly been cancelled. I don't think you can say that anymore, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I assume uh, you can He was rocking a backwards puffer jacket in, I would say, 2008. Yes, yeah, And sick. even he could not manage to pimp roll with enough confidence to not realise that everyone, to not clearly show that he was aware that everyone was looking at him going, why the fuck is that guy got his shirt jumper on backwards? I don't know. I think if anyone wears any clothing backwards today, you would still pin, you would still look back and probably point to crisscross. Do you think, is that correct? Do you think, <laughs> you think if a 25 year old today wore something backwards and someone go doing that crisscross shit, do you think that would happen? Or are they, are these guys, you know, known for, is that one of their core things? Are they synonymous with backwards clothing? I think, Partly, yes. Although people do still remember this song. Props to them for this jump. And this also came out around the same time as another huge uh, hip-hop crossover, which was House of Pain and Jump, jump. as well. Oh, yeah. They were both both big Jump-related songs. But I think people do remember that. But I also think this is one of those rare examples where, uh, because African-American culture is so incredibly influential, especially on fashion all over yep. the world, youth fashion, like we're just about to hit the... Jordan basketball era, as yep. mentioned, when it gets to the point where fucking cartoon characters who have nothing to do with it are wearing this yep. stuff. Like, it is easy to forget that there have been, you know, a handful of African-American <laughs> slash hip-hop related fashion trends that never actually did take off. Yep. Things such as wearing your jeans backwards so you can shit through the fly, <laughs> uh, rolling true. one leg of your pants up to the knee yeah. for some fucking reason. Um Wearing a do-rag backwards around the front of your head, two-pack style, so you look like a fucking cartoon washerwoman from a 1920s racist cartoon. That's true. Or um, the current fashion of wearing black socks with slip-on sandals, which yeah. is going to look exactly as cool in 10 years' time as it did 20 years ago when British tourists used to do it. But, um, you know, you can't win them all. <laughs> you can't win them you all, can't absolutely. Win them you all. can't win them all. Not everything can be, you no. know, top-tier At fashion. least Chris Cross had a good song. Oh, for sure they did. They did. Um, yeah, so you mentioned, yeah, this year, Jump Around by House of Pain. And you also, um, around this time, I think was also, can you remember the movement, Jump? Oh no, was there another one? Jump, jump, jump. jump. I just oh, did that. Yes. Jump, everybody, jump, everybody, yes. jump, jump. Yeah, that was jump, another jump. proto dance and song. Yeah. <laughs> that was a proto dance one. And that's, um, it's the one that has that sort of almost comically cliched, like, um, sort of the music part of it just goes that's been used like oh, a billion times let's since not forget that. Jump by Technotronic oh God, there's a lot of jump songs oh no yeah. sorry that was Pump 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 up the pump up, <laughs> pump up the jam. Pump up the jam. It, no, it says jump all it, the way oh, through, it and it's got it. that sample of going jump, yeah. Jump. And that that they, there was that also as well as that ding 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 ding. There's also that ooh oh <laughs> that ooh oh. You keep hearing it in this, uh, yeah. And also these kind of tinkly sort of there's this sort of 
deliberately fake synth, piano synth that you hear in a lot of dance music yeah. that started in this era oh, as well. Yeah. That sort of bing, bing, Ooh. bing, bing. That Did High Tech 3 with Spin That Wheel rip off the... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, Jump by the Movement. Check them all out. I might, we might just make a jump playlist, Tom, on um, Spotify <laughs> that features all the jump songs. What um, you could do if you had an awful lot of time on your hands yep. is you could design a giant world map style branching tree that showed dance music and hip hop samples that have been sampled and sampled and sampled and sampled and sampled back through to the original 1956 soul song that it happens in the background of that it's been you know like just and every year they spread out more and more and more they get reused over and over again yeah well Tom if I can somehow turn a thousand dollars if I put that all into you know one of the crypto currencies that the kids (laughs) have I'm looking at cum rocket I hear that's going really big these days if i can turn a thousand dollars if i can turn a thousand dollars into 25 million so i never have to work again i may make that my last work tom to just get all the samples trace them back find out where they've all come from um you know important whether you know so i can say what height what's high tech three where did that come from where you know the movement Mm. where does that bit in the jump song come from where the movement goes jump and jump and jump and jump and jump (laughs) boom boom mummy mummy there's a there's a whack as hell reggae part in it but i won't talk about that anyway so yeah give me some reggae so look to to tell you just how popular crisscross were at the time Mm -hmm. the success of this song led them to getting their own video game um, crisscross make my video which is generally regarded as one of the worst fucking video games of all time um, it was on the Sega CD um, something that no one even remembers existed so you know I, I do remember it's like a, but I am a dickhead yeah, so what are the kids playing these days? You got the Xbox. Do you, do you put? Do you still put a disc in an Xbox? Is there still? Or is it all uh, downloaded? You can if you want to. Yes. All right. They're so, trying to phase it out, but some people still like physical right. media. So kids at home that have an <laughs> Xbox or um, a PlayStation Five, imagine going back like thirty years before that. How shit the games <laughs> must have been when they're using actual video. So <laughs> something called a... So the Sega Mega Drive, I think, had like an add-on. It didn't even come... It had a cartridge in it and you could get like a CD drive add-on. Yes. So you could have like games that had like the shittest quality video known to man. Mm. Sort of... So imagine, you know, watching something on a phone from 20 years ago or uh, watching <laughs> something now where you're in like a, a 2G zone and YouTube's just breaking <laughs> yes. up and looking like total ass. So it's that. Um, so in this game, you just got the footage of the crisscross jump video clip mm. and like then some other random bullshit public domain footage of like, oh, here's a duck. on a skateboard or here's a fucking dog lying on a couch here's someone jumping in a swimming pool and then you just had to edit the footage together very slowly awkwardly rearrange it using a plastic d-pad and three buttons and then you can add some like fucking michael bay lens flares or some shit on there maybe and then at the end of it you've got your own crisscross jump video which is made up of 80% the actual crisscross video and then 20% a duck on a fucking skateboard and then you look at it and go that's bullshit I'm never playing this again and that's that yeah, so, you should have picked Echo the Dolphin that was that's better. true that's true so look they got their own video game so that's cool hey, um, at sucks. the time this was all we had to do to while away the long winter evenings yeah exactly that and Sonic and Knuckles chaotic or whatever <laughs> for sure 
Um, so sadly, um, Tom, Chris, Mac Daddy, Kelly passed away in 2013. Mm. So there's only one of them left. Um, Daddy Mac, he's remaining. So that rules out any sort of, uh, I guess, package tour with Criss Cross coming on to do that. Cause, I don't know. I mean, the other guy could still do it, but it's not the same, I don't really think, is it? So. They grow up too fast. That's the problem. They I mean, do. they were both... I think one was 12, one was 13 at the yeah. time of this recording. Yet, as Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy's names would suggest, at this time they were both clearly fathering numerous children, running a stable of hoes. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'm quite surprised he made it to <laughs> 2013, frankly. Absolutely. Like, so know, that's if, another... you're, if you're called Daddy Mac at 12, you know, like, <laughs> you're obviously strapped. Yep. You've got a dope ride out the oh, back, you yeah, know. Like, for sure. You know, they're coming for you. It's like... It's like Tupac, you're here for a short time, not a, yeah, here for a good yeah, time, not, not a long yeah, time. Yeah, exactly right. And look, I think that Criss Cross probably addressed a lot of these issues that you've uh, spoken about on their 1995 album, Young, Rich and Dangerous. Mm. So I'm sure that would have been, a, you know, like where we're, we've been in the rap game for a couple of years now, we're old hats, we're 15 now, we know what we're talking about, so let's yep. address what it's like to be <laughs> young and rich and dangerous. Mm. So... Um, I've not heard it, Tom, but I assume it's very good. I hope they did actually get some money for this. I song. hope so as well. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. I'd feel bad if the guy that's alive is like, you know, working at, you know, like Pizza Hut or something, yeah. just going like, fuck. Unfortunately, so. I'm guessing that the person who got the most money from this was the guy, the producer who wrote the lyrics. Uh, that would be Jermaine Dupree. And it's an old story that we've already been over quite a lot, Ben. And the name of that story is Written in an Hour, which <laughs> we've been over multiple times. What? Really? Uh, yes, he said he was inspired after going to a concert and seeing people jumping up and down in the crowd. Good. Um, yeah. Inspiration can strike from That's anywhere, right. Tom. This is where you get lyrics like, uh, now the formalities of this and that is that crisscross ain't coming off whack. And for all you suckers that don't know, check it out. Some of them try to rhyme, but they can't rhyme like this. Some of them try to rhyme, but they can't rhyme like this. Some of them try to rhyme, but they can't rhyme like this. Some of them try to rhyme, but they can't. And then they go on to... I'm fairly sure that I can run like that. I'm fairly sure that I can run like that. I'm fairly sure that I can run like that. Yes. I mean, I think I think speed was of the essence, but he's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, the, it's pretty good for a 12-year-old, you know. <laughs> At that age, I was watching a bunch of stoners <laughs> explain how I should roll a three-paper out of Oregonia and Mr. Steps' social science class. Yeah, that's true. You know, wondering why the poster of Jennifer Connelly and career opportunities on the wall <laughs> gave me a weird feeling in my underpants. You know, so they were out there packing nines and firing them at prime time, you know. They were. They, they were well ahead of me. <laughs> um... Good on them. I really hope that the live one is doing well and I feel bad for the dude that died. Cause, yeah, um, I hope he had fun while he was Yeah, uh, you do look at a lot of these child stars and then when they get a bit older and they've lost the sort of novelty, cute factor of being kids, it is difficult to have a legitimate career, isn't it? It's, mm. you know, not... I think in acting... Probably more so. I think you see a lot more actors, you know, like your Drew Barrymore's or Jodie Foster type shit. You know, you can still sort of, they've gone on to have like actual yeah. proper careers. But in music, I don't think, you don't see a lot of the kid stars outside of your Justin Bieber's. A lot of them are like, oh, look at these kids. And then they're like 18. And it's like, we don't uh, care anymore. So I mean, you call yourself a little bow wow. You can take the little off the front, but everyone knows it's there. Everyone they knows. They can still hear it. They when... know. <laughs> they know. I'm bow wow now. Yeah, from whatever, mate. We know. Um, so yeah, so 
Anything else to say about that? I, I, Tom. No, it's fucking fun to listen to. Go and listen to it now. Yeah, absolutely, play it absolutely right. And look, Chris play, Cross, play the Jump trilogy one after the other. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> what I'm calling the Jump trilogy. Yeah. Imagine how, in fact, there's a quadrilogy. You play Van Halen's Jump as well. Oh, <laughs> for sure. I'm going to find all the Jump songs and put them all together for people <sighs> to listen to at home. So that'll be good. Um, they've got a million monthly listeners, not which bad. is not heaps. But it's not too bad considering that they sort of, yeah. Peaked in 1992. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, they probably, look, people are going to call them a one hit wonder, but I'm a big fan of um, I Miss the Bus and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Warm It Up Chris. Warm It Up Chris, I think, is sweet. So go I've check heard that, out, that so. and it is fun. Yeah, I've got to go back and listen to that album. It's probably yep. got some. I bet you they're on thousands of 90s. Hip hop. Oh no doubt, absolutely hits right. Playlists, so they probably just get to sure. over endlessly. Definitely, definitely, and get that for a dollar um, oh. uh, on Discogs. I actually own a copy of this on Kasingle. So, <laughs> so, um, I got the Kasingle of this back in the day. Yeah, so it is for sure. It lasts the longest. It's do you, know, you have a machine that can play that? I do not. I do not. So <laughs> I, it's at my mother's house. So next time I'm there, I will I say, "Mum, where's the Kasingles?" box um, uh, and I'll go and, and look, find it. Look, if you ever get nostalgic you can always uh, give it to one of your children, let them pull all the tape out into a big mess on the floor, then spend 45 minutes with two pencils <laughs> slowly winding it back into the cassette. Yeah. You know, it's almost as good as listening to it, really. Absolutely not, yeah. it's. I, I was at a museum um, about 10 years ago and it was like a, one of those museums that has like old technology so oh, it's yes. like goes through like here's a gramophone and here's yep. some bullshit here's um the uh, Sega CD with crisscross <laughs> make your video etc go all the all the technologies you can have and there was like a BASF cassette <laughs> hanging from the like a you know one that you might see in like brashes or something as, a, as an advert like you'd hang it from the roof oh, okay. to sort of like a one you know like a meter big yep. like cassette tape to sort of hang up with the roof and it's like we stock BASF cassettes and I was in there and some kid like looked up and just went I can see why you don't use cassettes anymore dad because they were so big and this child legitimately thought that this fucking meter by like 50 centimeters prop cassette was how big they were kids are fucking idiots aren't they Jesus but yeah, so it shows how much kids know about cassettes or anything for that matter. Don't listen to them. Um, they do so say the darndest things. They do say the darndest things, don't All they? Right. Speaking of saying the darndest things, who's um, up next? One week, I Vanessa Williams saved the best for last. Mm, I'd forgotten this one. I yeah, sometimes the sun it. goes around the moon, Tom. Sometimes <sighs> okay. the sun comes out in June. Sometimes you thought the time had passed, but you went and saved the best to last. Sometimes they change the name of foods. Absolutely. Sometimes they do. Is that sometimes the sun goes around the moon? Sometimes they change the name of coon. Is that, the, is that what you're saying? The lyrics were, yes, or they should have been. You know, the famous cheese in Australia called yep. coon cheese, now, which his name was recently changed for reasons that, frankly, I can only imagine. Yeah, I'm sure it's got something to do with the politically correct woke brigade. I think it does absolutely for sure. Look, um, Vanessa Williams. I think she might be the only Miss America on our list. Yes, well... For maybe... I haven't looked all the way into the future, <laughs> um, and I haven't looked all the way into the past, but thus far, and probably... I'm going to think possibly for all yes. time, 
Um, she won in 1984. Yep. Um, she was Miss America. However, she was forced to resign after, quote, unauthorised, end quote, nude pictures were published in Penthouse. Mm. So Penthouse yes. published some nude pics of her um, and then she basically resigned from Miss America. So what happened was, in 1982, apparently she was 19 um, and in college... Um, she took a job as a receptionist, um, a local photographer, older than her, um, considerably older. Um, I want. Should I say? Is it? Is it? Like, are we going to get sued for this? No, I don't not. think so. No, Tom Chappell or something like that. One day he asked her to model for him, nude, but he assured her that he just wanted her silhouette, so her face wouldn't be visible. Mm. It's it's a, it's as old as time. Is it? I'm going to take story. these nude photos of you. Don't worry, that's it's how, just for the that's silhouette. That's getting you, Ben. Just for that. Yeah, for sure. And it, you know, it happens You know, a couple of times a week, probably myself as well. Just do these photos. Oh, yes. it's like, okay. I've fallen for it before. Absolutely. So she did that. Um, and then basically she wrote in her memoir, he was my employer. He'd also became my friend. I'd met his wife and kids. And as we know, as a father of a daughter, <laughs> you, you can't be a total cunt, yes, can you? If you've got, if you've got a, politicians. Yeah, if you've got a wife sharing. and you've got kids, then you know women's issues. So there mm. you go. Um, so he paid on time. He was respectful. Why shouldn't I trust him? So that's the story. Uh, Basically, Hugh Hefner, though, he turned them down. Hugh Hefner yes. said, what, are these authorised? No, they're not. I don't want anything to do with this. I run a professional magazine in Playboy. Um, he said, Vanessa Williams is a beautiful woman. There's never been any question of our interest in the photos, he told one reporter. But because they weren't authorised and because... Um, they would be the source of considerable embarrassment to her. We started not to publish them. So it shows a, a mm. level of humanity that I maybe didn't expect from you. But Occasionally he was capable of looking classy. Just every so often he, yep. he was capable. Um, however, the founder, editor and publisher of Penthouse... Uh, he was not capable. ...didn't of give a classy. flying fuck about <laughs> no. the lack of consent and bought the photos for 50k. So there you go. So anyway, so she did that. Um, basically, the photos came out. Yep. Um, and then she, yeah, I guess was effectively forced to resign. Um, but she did keep to keep her rhinestone crown. Okay. And thirty k she'd made from appearances, so that was okay. What However, did she lose? well, she lost two live shows for Bob Hope. No big loss. Singing with the Boston Symphony Orchestra, um, and her gig as a spokesman for Gillette, um, mm-hmm. as well as her reputation. She was known as Vanessa the Undresser. In the tabloids, they can be so cruel, can't they? Um, <laughs> unimaginative. Yeah, absolutely. But she did go on to star in a racer with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> That's true. So every cloud has a silver lining, Tom. And she was also in Ugly Betty, I believe. So it's there still, you go. It's pretty shit house, really, though, isn't it? One this, of, one this, of the, yeah. oh, the yeah. runners-up that year in 84 had a cross burned on her front lawn. One of <laughs> the other biracial ones. She was also, she was the, Vanessa Williams was the first black Miss America. She got death threats and hate mail, of course. And then on top of that, some cunt publishes nude pictures of you as a teenager. Yeah. You get publicly shamed by press slime balls. You lose the title and everyone gets to see your boobs. But don't worry, Ben, because 32 years later, Miss America CEO Sam Haskell offered her a public apology ah. during the Miss America 2016 pageant for the events of 1984. 32 years earlier. That's nice. Yes. One interesting fact, uh, her newspaper birth announcement, and this is true, read, here she is, Miss America. Really? Mm. Apparently there was a very small asterisk next to it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Still, though, pretty good. 
for sure. That was that showed some foresight from appearance, which mm. is great. So mine um, read uh, here he is Captain Poontang, but I haven't really figured out what that refers to. I'm assuming that was given to my parents by a travelling soothsayer who'd <laughs> seen what was going to happen. But you know, I'm 42, still time. You know, still time, still time. You never give up on your dreams, Tom. As Vanessa Williams has showed me, you just keep on, That's keep right. on going. So. Um, look, this song's dog shit though, I think. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty bored by it. Um, I feel bad for her though, because, you know, after the whole Miss America thing, it'd be, but she, what did she, what she needs, I think, is a Whitney Houston style, um, yes. song, um, written by a Boy Meets Girl, probably, um, something like, how will I know if he, you know, an yeah. upbeat banger, I think this is, is what I'd want. This, this is, is really low energy. It's uh, like, it's sort of, and it's not even a particularly good ballad. It's like a kind of cheesy Christmas song. Yep. And the video, similarly, they just look like, it looks like a cheesy Christmas song, but it's not about Christmas. Yeah. But she did have a bunch of hits on the R&B charts, though. Like, people uh-huh. people did like her stuff. It just, it's not my bag. No. But, I mean, I've got no problem with the stuff now in general, but what I didn't realise at the time was that, <laughs> keep talking about this stuff, 92, but this was the beginning of romantic R&B slash soul ballads starting to invade the pop charts. Yep. And at the time, I thought it was the lamest shit out, I'm sorry... There is more to a good song than being able to sing was my opinion at the time. But once again, I keep coming up against this, but like fucking, I just keep forgetting how much shit was happening in music. Yep. It was like in the, it was like the last gasp of the pre-digital decade. Mm-hmm. And but just so much interesting shit was happening at this point. You've got all these different musical styles coming to the mainstream, you know, people you know, all this black culture stuff coming into suburban stuff, but also world music, dance music grunge like you know everything seems to be changing evolving it's really interesting and also mashing together all genres start the shit that people take advantage take for granted now which is that you can mix anything with anything else that was starting here too you know absolutely tom look um yeah I don't like a good voice. Um, like I prefer, you know, like a, a like a good Fair voice doesn't impress me. Cans. I don't really care. <laughs> no, yes, exactly. You know, like you know what I mean. Like someone that's like a their pitch perfect singer. You know, yeah. I don't really care for that as much. It's just like a good song, I think. Um, but you're absolutely right about. I know it, it seems weird because I hate to be one of those old. You know, those fucking. I hate those people. It's like. The best era of music was 1972. No one's done anything good since that. And I know that young people listening to music today would probably say, look, we live in the best time to be alive for music um, now because there's just so much of it. Obviously, because there is so many people producing music and you have the platform to do it yourself through things like Bandcamp, you don't necessarily have to sign for a label. So, you know, it gives people the ability to release music they may not have got the opportunity to release back in these days. But I think you're right, Tom, I think... The early 90s was a particularly interesting period in music because, yeah, there's just so much new stuff coming out, like whether that is, yeah, sort of hip-hop, rap culture where things are getting blended together, dance music, as you've said, grunge sort of hit the mainstream. Um, Even in heavier styles of music, the early 90s was like basically the late 80s, early 90s for things like um, death metal and even mm, black metal yeah, coming out of out of Norway sort of around the early 90s time so those extreme sort of genres is sort of were really starting up as well in terms of um, just new sounds I guess but yeah particularly in like hip hop I guess because we, we talked a lot about the sort of mainstream stuff yeah. but bubbling under the surface of all this um, and you've also got yeah a lot of that you know Chicago and Detroit 
sort of clubhouse music yes, as well, yep. things oh, that are happening. Um, pop punk is starting as well, like punk coming into the mainstream as well. The whole oh, that's true. Of, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. That's that's a couple of years off, but that's that's in the works too. Yeah, alternative, for sure. like that sort of mainstream alternative. Um, that should be a contradiction in terms, but it wasn't. That shit was fully yep. in the mainstream for a while. So I think in terms of newer types of music, either in popular charts or just generally, I think yeah, this is a really interesting time. And I wouldn't. I'm not going to one of those guys that's like the early 90s is the best time to be alive for music but I think it was a pretty interesting time oh hell yeah in stuff that was definitely, coming out definitely so definitely a lot better than I think I, I reckon sort of by 2010 sorry two, like end of the like really late 90s early 2000s was a real weird time for music I feel yes. sort of like <laughs> a lot of the and the reason is because all this new shit came out at the start of the decade and by then people were like uh, this is kind of old now, you know, so you ended yeah. up with like Eiffel 65 in <laughs> <laughs> and like Nickelback yeah, and exactly. like that sort of stuff. And it's like, it's not quite the same. Also, as going through a lot of these videos, one thing that you definitely notice from the 90s is that it sounded a lot better than it looked. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it looked garbage. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Compared to the kind of cinematic stuff of the 80s like there's a lot of just random messy nonsense and the fashion was so bad it was pretty bad it's just so unimaginative it's not even interestingly shit like in the 80s it's just kind of you know but surprisingly Tom teenage girls in 2021 look like they may have just stepped out of a 1992 music video why on earth would you want to bring the 90s back oh not sure everything's cyclical Tom there's nothing new under the sun you just have to keep rehashing the past which is why I'm releasing a Vanessa Williams cover album this year so watch out for that should be really good um so yeah you got anything more to say about this um not sorry really. I, I probably jumped on your lyrical no 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 with, um, no that's fine there's nothing really to say it wasn't written by her um and it was offered to other people who turned it down so credit to her for recognizing a multi hit when she heard one yep. yeah it sounds like what it is eg a pretty basic song written by three older white people about yep. how it's never too late to find love with that person who friend zoned you 30 years ago yeah uh yeah the opening lines are sometimes the snow comes down in june okay it's unlikely but possible like a blue moon uh, sometimes the sun goes around the moon. No, no, it doesn't. That's not a thing that happens. It's not. It's not. You've lost. You've lost the metaphor already. You've tripped Jesus. over the second line. It's fallen down. Sometimes the sun goes around the moon. It's <laughs> fucking stupid. What I mean, this? you can make up nonsense in a song, but that's what I mean. Like the put the put. Yeah. The point is it's meant to be something unlikely. That's the whole point, but that's not unlikely. It's impossible. It just It's also Moon and June is a euphemistically hacky rhyme. It's uh, like tonight or right or love and dove. It's yeah. Anyway, putting that aside, fucking Galileo would be rolling in his grave <laughs> if you heard people talking about let's that. Let's move on to someone who did know how to write a ballad. Oh yeah, sorry, real quick, one mil on the Spotify for Vanessa Williams, which oh, yeah. is pretty good. Um fifty cents for this on the discogs. Yeah, that's Pretty much what I expected. Yeah, something that like sounds that. about right. Um, so yeah, uh, up next is um, not for the first time in no. this podcast time. Richard Marks with Hazard. Oh, I thought we'd gone past this, but we had. No, no, no. Look, can Three you tell me weeks. why Richard Marks isn't in prison, or at least why nobody's <laughs> produced a true crime podcast exploring the possibility that Richard Marks murdered someone? Because these lyrics appear mm. to me. To be a confession of sorts. Yes. Um, because, look, effectively, Hazard tells a story of a relationship between Richard Marks and a woman named Mary. 
who disappears in really suspicious circumstances, and Richard, shunned by many in the small village where he lived since childhood. Um, I think some of the locals say things along the lines of, quote, that boy's not right. Mm. Um, He's immediately considered the main suspect. However, he maintains his innocence throughout the song, and the question of guilt is left open to the listener's interpretation. That's true. Um, However, having, you know, looked at the the lyrics in detail, um, Mm. I've flown to America, I've gone to Hazard, I've spoken to the local police i've spoken to law enforcement i've asked to be taken down to the river um i've sort of i've spoken to the family of mary um i've, I've done all these things in the upcoming podcast time that i'm going to do true crime it's very popular at the moment so i'm going to explore this um you know richard refused to be interviewed for this i've spoken to <laughs> people throughout across the state um you know i tried to find richard's family and friends to try and you know find out if as a youngster um, he, you know he'd sort of done anything that sort of suggested that he may be a killer. I've watched his old music videos looking for clues. Um, and what everyone said to me, Tom, is they've said, um, it's a fucking fictional song, so you're an <laughs> idiot. And I said, ah, okay, fair enough. It's not real. But the podcast, I'm still going to bring it out because I think it is even, oh, even, I think it's 100%. still worth exploring. I think it's still worth exploring whether or not we could put someone in prison for killing someone in a song. Well, is that I, possible? I was in town uh, the other day and I stopped in to park my car quickly to see if I could grab some donuts on the way home. And yep. a sign uh, signpost had been bent by possibly a passing truck or a very heavy bird. Yep. And <laughs> so I was not able to see that I had accidentally passed a no standing sign. Uh, zone. Oh. So even though I was only five minutes when I came out, I found that I'd been given a ticket and I said, hey, that sign's been bent. And she was like, nah, sorry, if you stand over here, you can see the sign and you should have stood over here before you went to get donuts. And I was like, damn it. So then I took the ticket and I went home. And then, yeah, as soon as I opened the door when I got home, there was a, a four-man crew from NPR there who were uh, doing a true crime podcast about that incident <laughs> that had just taken place yep. because they had literally covered every single other crime that had occurred in Australia this entire year. Yep. So, yeah, I don't think... Uh, fictional true crime podcast can be too far away. I think oh, when yeah. I was younger, we called them stories. Yeah. And yeah, that was what people used to do before true crime had been invented. Well, it's true crime, Tom, but it's fictional. So it's <laughs> it's a fictional... It's still true crime. If only there was... I think you've thought of a new genre, Ben. Yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still true crime, Tom. It's just that it takes place in a fictional song. So I, I think see. that I think that it, it is still true because... Richard Marks did sing... He did not not sing the song, yeah? He did sing that. He has yes. made the song. He has written the song. He it's has performed it. So that's, tr- that's true. Just true. because the thing he's confessing did not, strictly speaking, occur it, well, doesn't it, mean that you couldn't get it. Well, no. I mean, it didn't happen, but it did not happen because he did. He has made a song about yes. it. Yes. I think so, a 12-hour HBO series is absolutely, the minimum absolutely to right. cover this. So I'm going to be exploring that um, in more depth. <laughs> I than what I already have I look so, so to look it. out for that because yeah, as you said Tom there's nothing new under the sun except for in the true podcast <laughs> fictional world where it is a new thing that mm. no one's done before so um, apparently during a performance of this song um, in 2011 Marx was telling the audience he said look um, coming up with this sort of this fictional murder plot. He says fictional murder <laughs> plot, but I will explore that later in my podcast. Tom. Um, he, he thought it was the stupidest lyrical plot he'd ever come up with. Um, so he thought it sounded different to a lot of his other songs and just thought, oh, look, I'll record a rough demo at home, but he thought it was a bit shit. Um, 
So he was singing it, his wife, uh, Dirty Dancing actress Cynthia Rhodes. Ah, mentioned previously. Yep. Um, 80s power couple. She was Penny um, in the film. She stopped and listened, and when he'd finished, she said, that is going to be a hit. (laughs) And Richard said, fuck that, I don't think it is. Um, So, yep, he released it. She was right, he was wrong. Take that, Richard. Yes, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, But I think, Tom, that him telling this story is just a cover (laughs) for him actually killing somebody. And he went, oh, but I told my wife it was a fictional thing. She went, oh, okay, Richard. Uh, You think it's a double bluff. Yeah, I think it is a double bluff. So we'll explore all this in the podcast. Um, (laughs) Look, I'm going to try and write a song different to what I usually do. How about one where a dude kills his girlfriend? Like it's sort of... (laughs) It doesn't really seem like it does have hit potential. So is his wife insane? Mm, I think not only is she not insane, but I think the real lesson here is never disagree with someone who figured out that Dirty Dancing, Flashdance and Rosanna by Toto were going to be hits. Um, Also, and this is the second massive number one hit this year that wouldn't have gotten made if that person hadn't stepped outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. So let that be a lesson. What lesson? I'm not sure. But I reckon a sports commentator could get 45 minutes out of it while they were waiting for the roof to close during rain. Sometimes, Tom, you just got to step outside your comfort zone, I Mm. believe. Um, Is that the envelope? Yeah. Is the comfort zone inside or outside the envelope? It's thinking outside. I think it's... You're thinking outside the box... It's, mm-hmm. And there's an envelope in that box, I think. And so. where's the comfort zone related to the box? Yeah, it's it's difficult to know. That's This is why we're not sports commentators, Tom, because yeah. otherwise we'd have a very good sort of thing. Because sometimes I push boundaries, but when I'm pushing the boundary, I'm never sure whether I'm also pushing the edge of the envelope or I'm merely just pushing against an invisible box street mime style uh, look. and whether the edge of that box is my comfort zone or whether I'm merely comfortable miming in yeah. public yeah it is yeah. I, white face. I think a lot of dudes doing the miming in public are definitely pushing the envelope <laughs> of shit taste I know that but you know have you been into the city recently you probably haven't have you went into the city today for work yeah I, mean, yeah, I, no, I got that for... parking ticket and oh, now I've got Jesus, a 12 yeah. series HBO yeah pilot going. that's alright um, you'll be able to get out of that I think right to the local council and tell them I did actually played. they wouldn't let me get away with it Fucking I took hell. photos as well Jesus Christ <laughs> what a scam that's right take it to VCAT um, so um, but yeah what uh, sorry 61 cents for this um, but yeah in the city yeah sorry I was just saying I was just about a couple probably a year ago now because I haven't been in the city for so long but mm-hmm. there was one of those there was a couple of people standing um, in the mall really still not moving yep. um, and this is like 2020 were they painted gold they were silver? and yeah. they, 50 people were standing there like they'd never seen this shit before I'm just like what the fuck is wrong with you no, people standing still is not entertainment <laughs> especially not in the year 2020 get out no, of here that was so, shitty old in the 90s yeah exactly it? ridiculous anyway 61 cents for this on Discogs um, Richard Marks has actually got just under 4 million, 3.9 yeah, million. Still, so. People still like him. Like I said, his Twitter stuff, the way people react to it, you can tell that people still know who he is. He doesn't, you know, he's a, he's got a sort of... I wouldn't say that he's still cool in the sense of people still, you know, clamouring for his new album. Yep. But I think people have an affection for him because of these hits, you know, in a way that they don't have affection for 
you know, some of the forgotten Aegis people that we've covered, you know. Absolutely. Now, does this have any lyrical highlights or uh, is, uh, is it just, it's the confession well, <laughs> of murder, basically? I mean, I think people mostly know the lyrics, but here is another lesson from this one. Yeah. Uh, the lesson is, do your research. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, that's an old school lesson for um, the millennials and also me when I'm doing creative stuff. Mm. The Rad song title, which is Rad, is named after the town in the first line of the song. My mother came to Hazard when I was just seven. Yeah. Now, Marx arrived at the name because he liked the lyric, this old Nebraska town. Yep. But he didn't know a name of one. So he wrote to the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. asking for a list of Nebraska towns with two syllables okay. and found Hazard ideal because it's got a rad double meaning. Yep. Um, and it's also a cool word. Now, he could have just made up for a name for a town instead. But guess what happens when you do that? You get Kokomo. You do. That's what fucking happens. Yep. And Hazard shits on Kokomo from high orbit, both as a song <laughs> title, a song itself, and a town. Have I been to Hazard? Population 70, 269 inhabitants per square mile. <laughs> Sorry, that should be 2.69 inhabitants <laughs> per square mile. No, I'm guessing... No, sorry, it was the other way around. Damn it, I got that wrong. It's one inhabitant per 269 square uh-huh. miles, population 70. No, I haven't been a hazard, but I'm guessing that there aren't as many brash... I'm guessing there aren't many brash as record no. bars. But is it also the home of the world's largest KKK rally mm-hmm. or a fictional island where Jeffrey Epstein would have hung out like Kokomo, <laughs> which is both an island that doesn't exist and a town that does exist full of KKK? No, it isn't. So I'm saying awkwardly that Hazard is better than Kokomo, both as a song and town. Absolutely. And that's what happens if you write letters and get research. I think this shows a level of commitment yes, that a lot exactly. of other pop stars are not prepared to do. Richard, he sat down, he's written a song, and he said, I really like the lyric, Old Nebraska Town. He didn't obviously have an atlas handy. This is pre-internet days. He couldn't just go and do it himself. So instead of just going, oh, well, I don't know what to do, fuck it, pens a letter. The people at the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce were very helpful. Mm. They wrote back with a list of all the names with two <laughs> syllables in there. I mean, that must have taken someone, you know, a lot of... That could have taken days. There's probably a lot of towns in Nebraska. I mean, where are they sourcing that information from? You know, there's no internet at the time. I don't know what they're doing. Are they handwriting this? So, I mean, that's that's great, I just think. You know, he probably signed it, you know, hey, I'm Richard Marks. And they went, oh, we love you, Richard. We'll do this work for mm. you. So... I mean, not a lot of singers would probably get that same treatment, I think. No, um, you know. no. He may have had to promise that he would play uh, Hazard Population 70 on yep. his next tour. True. Uh, yeah. yeah. But look, he, he, <laughs> but still. he was committed to the cause. Yeah. He did that and he ended up with a number one hit. So and I, a I, red I song title, think, which has a cool that. double meaning. Good yeah, work. I think that's fantastic. Well done, Richard. That's really good. Also, yeah. good work overthrowing uh, yep. Shackles of capitalism. As oh, previously for sure, exactly, for sure. He did, yeah, write that communist manifesto. But yeah, I, I, there's a lot of. I think I don't know if Brian Adams wrote to the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce. Would they, would they just turn a fuck off? Do you think you'd uh, have the same sort of? I'm thinking like, you're oh. looking. You know that trick you get with the fax machine where you yep. draw a dick on a piece of paper, yeah, just you send feed it back. through the fax machine, then you get the the tail of the fax coming back, and you sticky tape it 
onto the back, so then it just loops, loops endlessly through. It's just, a, just a series of yeah, dicks. I reckon yeah. that's probably what you would get. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, what about the movement? The <laughs> jump guys with the board that they've got. So, boom, boom, mummy, mummy. Well, so, yeah. the people on the other end of the phone would have been too busy jumping. They, that's true. So. They wouldn't have done the research either. So, look, three weeks for that. Thank you, Richard. That is good work. Um, great song, great research. A lot of lessons learned from that and a source for my new podcast as well. So, check out where all you get... all. What, what do they say? What do people say? You can get that where you, ever you get your podcasts. Is that mm, that's what they top very wherever, useful? <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts from, which is exactly as useful as the old available at all good bookstores yep. used to be. E.g., not useful. <laughs> yeah, I think the podcast would be called Richard Marx Should Go to Prison. I reckon we need to start a new variation on that, which is just Google it, slut. Yeah, that's true. Our, that's true. Our podcast is available. That Google it, slut. You could say that. It could take off. I don't really know. People might not like the the language, though, Tom. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm, well, if they've got a problem, maybe they should Google it. They should. They should. Um, moving on next, Tom. The fifteenth of August for six weeks. Jose Carreras and Sarah Brightman, Amigos para sempre. I mean, this shit sucks. Can you believe there was a time when the theme song for the fucking Olympics could reach number one and stay there for six weeks? Oh, my God. Six weeks of a theme to the the Barcelona Olympics. The Barcelona 92 Olympics, it's the only thing that happened this year. Remember at the start, I was meant to do some research, wasn't I, during the show? This was only a hit here. So only a hit in Australia. No one else in the world gave a shit about this. Not Barcelona, presumably. No, Spain didn't care. Um, Sarah Brightman, she's from England, I think. No one cared there. So this this song was performed at the closing ceremony of the Barcelona 1992 Olympics. Mm. Um, Also features on the compilation album Barcelona Gold, Tom, which you can get on Discogs for $1.38. So... But this was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, so straight off the bat, you know, it's going to be shit. I mean, that guy is trash across the board. Um, I don't know, look, I'm not a big musical fan, um, but it just seems like he, for the best part of, what, five decades, maybe longer, is just like... still going. It's it's just, what about someone that's like, they work at a shop, and then they dance around in a shop, and then they'll sing a song. Yeah, cool, let's do that. What if it was like a hundred years ago and someone's, you know, like trying to invent the helicopter? Why don't we do... Like, it just seems like stupid bullshit with stupid songs and he looks like... Is he a zombie or some sort of ghoul? I think he... Does I he, think he was the, the original dead? model for the Phantom of the Opera, certainly. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. It's anyway. like, yeah, that, when he dies, they'll have to build some sort of monument for ear torture inflicted onto the most people in the most countries for the longest period of time for him. I mean, because all this shit still keeps running. That's the thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, the problem. If, they, if you did a shit album in 1974, they don't play it live permanently in the city where you wrote it for no. the end of time. But they do with musicals. They do, like the, yeah. well, the, the worst ones, for some reason. Now, apparently these days, he was most recently involved with those Ben Elton musicals that everybody hates, which started the jukebox musical... Oh. fad of the moment which even people who like musicals fucking hate because yep. it's just like they're not even writing new ones anymore they're just like what if Shrek 
was a musical. Jesus you know, that's the problem with Shrek. It didn't suck enough dog shit through a straw when it first came out. What if we wrote a bunch of terrible musicals yep. and got a local theatre actor wearing an unrealistic green spandex costume to pretend to be fucking Mike Myers doing a shit Scottish accent, which wasn't great to begin with. Like For me, Tom, uh, it's the end of civilization. Um, I, I think nothing says creative bankruptcy to me more than just choosing any film at random and turning it into a fucking yes. musical. It or is some trash. old album from the 70s and just like that you could just listen to anyway. And then, oh Look, the best thing Andrew Lloyd Webber ever did in his entire career, as far as I'm concerned, was the Cats movie from last year which I don't think he had anything really much to do with but yeah I watched that while I was super stoned and even then I think I was the only person in the theatre who was actually having a good time yeah. everyone else entered in silence sat there in silence left in silence oh look it's fair to say you have to be on drugs to watch it I mean that goes oh, without saying 100% yeah. but that said for that it was actually pretty enjoyable I think yeah. that clearly that's the best thing he's ever done but oh certainly none of his musicals are any good and, and look, I'd successfully managed to delete this song from my brain and yeah. I'm not happy to be reminded about it or to be reminded that it was a hit in Australia for six weeks and only Australia Fucking Australia, lift your game. You're making us look bad here. Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's no real lyrical highlights. Amigos Parasempre, um, it, it means friends for life, Tom. Mm. Um, and because this is an Andrew Lloyd Webber song, it literally says that in the song. Yep. It explains itself <laughs> it in does. the song. Just in case you might get away with going, oh, well, it's in Spanish. I don't know what the lyrics mean. It has yep. to be in English as well to tell you what yep. the Spanish lyrics mean. Amigos Parasempre means you'll always be my friend. Amigos Parasempre means a love that cannot end. End. Friends for life, not just a summer or a spring. Amigos para sempre. Mm, three words, so it doesn't mean that either, so it's not even accurate. Yeah. Jose Carreras was an opera singer, was he not? This is not opera, so. just in case you might yeah. get it confused with something that's actually got any sort of class yeah. behind it. So he was, he's got 400,000 um, monthly listeners on Spotify, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's done a bunch of other stuff, so yep. um, I don't think... He, you know, he's just dining off the back of this. Yes. Sarah Brightman, she's got 1.3 million. Um, I can't no. tell you a fucking thing about it, but she was on this shit, so... She's probably on uh, theatre. She probably does musicals oh, and shit to pro- this yeah. day. Yeah, I mean, if she's on this, she's probably friends with, um, yeah, fucking that guy I've just been talking about for ages. I've tried <laughs> to erase that his Australian name. Australian guy who was in everything. He was Phantom of the Opera for a while. Fuck, I can't even care. Who knows, yeah. Who knows? I've I've tried to erase it off my memory. Yeah, I don't know. Look, you're right, Tom, though, about the fact that these musicals just sent 50 cents you can buy this for. Don't bother with shit. Um, yeah, that is the weird thing about musicals, that they're on for like 47 years. You know, like, I don't walk up to, you know, the village for cinema in Launceston and go, what? You're not playing Curly Sue? What's going on? I can't yeah. watch this 1992, you know, <laughs> comedy classic. And I mean, What's people take the piss out of the Rolling Stones for still touring, but they don't just play... Exile on Main Street. No. The full album and only that over yeah. and over and over. They, got a lot, they, they play an array of songs. They've got a lot of songs. So look, <laughs> yeah. this sucks. Forget about it. Don't go watch musicals. They're bullshit. And if you ever, ever say to me, I'm going to go watch a musical of a film, then just look, just don't mm. bother coming to my house, please. I don't want to know about that. So I'll just watch the film. Um, anyway, great. 
Um, six, fuck, six weeks. Jesus Christ. All right. 26th <laughs> of September for one week. Bobby Brown humping around. Mm. Fuck yeah. Can you make sure this is played at my funeral time? <laughs> well, I certainly won't let them play that last song. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, apparently the song was going to be called Fucking Around. But Bobby was concerned about marketability <laughs> and changed it to humping around. Is that actually true? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Oh, really? No idea what that means, but I imagine humping around means just banging chicks. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, this has got a great music video. Um, Bobby Brown looks... The look I'm going to call <laughs> it is Sexy Sniper. Yes. Does that sound fair enough? Yep. He's got a Madonna mic on. He's got an earpiece. He's got black leather pants and like a sheer top, but with a huge black cross on it. Yes. He looks like that he could dance for 12 hours or just take a high-powered rifle to the top of a building and take someone out. He does. That's he, what he looks he fucking looks awesome. He also looks like he's been dancing for 12 hours or has been slathered in Vaseline because this is a sweaty man. I'm guessing this, this is. is not take one of the video. <laughs> no, 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 but, no. Yeah. Um, music video features Bobby Brown, obviously in his sexy sniper outfit, dancing outside with women in cages um, oh, yes. with cut a scenes of a girl trying to break into his phone oh, and yes. personal belongings. Yes, not, not his cell phone, no, his, his actual, actual landline. His landline. <laughs> She's trying, trying to crack his landline. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems completely bizarre, but yeah, trying to hack into the, mm. the mainframe Something, I don't know. Hack into yeah, freak. Hack into the fucking yeah. I don't even know if you can hack into somebody's <laughs> landline, but she's trying to do that. Um, and his personal bloggings to try and find his mistress in New York City. Um, they did make another video. There's a couple of. There's two videos of this. Um, and in the second one, I think for a dance remix. Um, and it's basically just sort of all the outdoor shots without the uh, the phone hacking oh, scandal. Because yes. I think what happened is people realised that phone hacking after the UK um, in sort of 2008, it's, it's not a good look to be hacking into people's phones, no. trying to steal personal information, trying to get information from um, what dead or, or missing teenagers, that sort of stuff, which, um, you know, the news of the world went was totally fine. So I think what they've done is Bobby Brown said, look, in the original video, there's phone hacking. People don't like that. Now let's take that out and sort of make it just a sexy yes. sniper video, which I think is a lot more appropriate sure. for everyone. Um, yeah, what do you got for this? You got well, anything? I'm, I'm a big fan of Bobby Brown. He was pretty big here. He yep. had numerous hits. Uh, I'm a big. I was a big fan of his song "On Our Own" from the Ghostbusters oh, 2 soundtrack. Yeah, that was a number two hit in the USA. It only got to 22 here, but they did play it. Uh, on the radio, much like Hazard, it's a real story song. Oh, yep. Uh, had him throwing a party for a bunch of children while all the while the slime was under the building. <laughs> now, there's a sentiment you don't hear in enough rap songs. So they packed up their group, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed their proton packs off their back, and they split. Found out about Vigo, the master of evil, trying to battle my boys. That's not legal. Fuck yeah. So, yes. So he was well aware that Vigo had, you know, already broken several zoning rules about... Uh, creating a giant subway-sized river of slime <laughs> under a town and, you know, that he was about to get his ass sent to jail. Yeah, do you reckon Bobby Brown's influenced uh, many people? He seems like a very influential guy. Do you think that he's I, sort of... I hope he influences people to do songs from movies which rehash the entire plot of the movie again because that is ready for a comeback. Oh, geez, I think that's right. a great... Uh, for sure, yeah. I think a rap song that spells out every single <laughs> fucking scene of a film would probably be a good idea. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of the joke that they do about that in the film Basketball where he's 
driving the car down <laughs> yeah. the road and the radio is playing the song that's dictating exactly what's happening. I think it's definitely time for that to come back. No but doubt. Yeah, no, I, but I was a big fan of his and he had another one. He had... Um, uh, Every little one? step I take. Yes. You and that's my prerogative yeah, as well. That's, yeah, he, had, he, was, he was around this time. He's got a lot of great songs. This is a banger. I love this one. Um, and it raises a question, Tom, who's your favourite member of New Edition? <laughs> You've got Bobby Brown. I am. Um, obviously, we're talking about now. You've got Johnny Gill, whose song um, Rub You the Right Johnny Way yeah. has some of the finest lyrics in any pop song. Uh, good baby, get undressed and slip on this robe. Relax, little darling, just sit back. Would you rather be stroked? <laughs> Can you feel the magic in my hands when I touch and rub you the right way? Stroke, apply with tenderness. When I hold and rub you the right way. Um, so that's pretty good. And then it just goes on to say, <laughs> when I rub, I rub her happiness. Customer satisfaction's guaranteed. For your pleasure, come over here, please. So it's a great <laughs> song. Rub you the right way. Um, I'm not sure what he's talking about there, but massage of some description you've got then so you've got that you've got sorry Johnny Gill Bobby Brown then you've got Ricky Bell Michael Bivens and Ronnie DeVoe oh. Bell Biv DeVoe yeah who are the other members of New Edition Poison oh yeah Poison and they've also got yeah and they've also got a track called Do Me which just says take a look at me tell me do you like what you see do you think you can do what you think you can do me kiss me pretty baby touch me all over girl do you think you can do me? Do me, baby. Oh, yeah. Do me, baby. Do you think you can? Do me. Do me, baby. Do me. Fantastic. Um, and Ralph Tres Vant, who churned out some bullshit, including a song called Stone Cold Gentleman. Yeah, I remember New Edition, but I did not know that they were so... That oh, they they'd yeah. spawned, that they were this super group that spawned, that they were the power station of uh, 90s, early well. 90s hip hop. The new, new edition would just Belle Biv DeVoe plus uh, Bobby Brown and Johnny Gill, Johnny which Gill. is pretty sweet. Johnny Gill had another one too that was on the radio as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's Some a, other gross I don't thing. think Doomy was... No, sorry, <laughs> what was his? Rub You the Rub Right, the right yeah. Way. No, um, he had another one, that, that yeah. a minor hit as well. But, and yeah, of course, yeah. It's cool. And, and Bobby Brown. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, they're a great group. And as we've, we've talked about them previously because, of course, um, uh, New Edition were the precursor Group to New Kids on the Block. Ah, uh, yes, and they were written by that guy that from uh, the Jones and Group. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Star. All those other yep. people. Yeah. So the dude that basically wrote all New Kids on the Block songs, he also yes. wrote all of those New Edition kind of songs. Created all yeah. those dudes and a whole. I listed them all, but there was a whole bunch oh, of other f- people. A fuckload. Yeah. So anyway, this is a great song. Yeah. Um, there'd be no Chris Brown without Bobby Brown, and no. you can't blame Bobby Brown for that. This chorus is still a fucking banger. Like, yeah, it's absolutely just great. right. Yeah. So, sexy sniper, go check this out. Watch the music video, listen to the song. Um, highlights. There must be plenty of lyrical highlights uh, for this. I not really. like this. I mean, it would be easy and possibly a bit racist to say that the most interesting thing about this is that it's a hip hop song about not fucking around <laughs> on someone else. Like. But uh, like you could say that it's basically the opposite song to it wasn't me. But it's actually <laughs> yeah. smarter than that. Like um, he says, when you trust someone and you know you're on their back, you ain't got no trusting about you. And, the cl- and you claim that you don't care where I'm at. You've given me reason to doubt you. In other words, what he's, and he, he goes over this a few times, this song. If you constantly question someone else's loyalty, not only do you give them the shit and risk losing them because you won't trust them, 
but you also make them question their trust in you yep. because it's usually the cheaters who are the ones who are obsessed with loyalty. It's usually the people who don't trust other people who are around someone else who end up being the ones who fucking fuck people over yep. because they think of everybody else the way they are. They assume that other people are as dodgy as them, which is a pretty clever thing to fit into a song, which ostensibly is just about, hey, stop ringing up my friends and asking if I'm fucking your sister or whatever. Absolutely. You know, but yeah. So props to him for coming up with a new thing to sing about. Oh, definitely. He cut to the chase. Um, I think he said what we've all been thinking for so many years and then you've got that fucking kick ass chorus oh it's pretty good it's very very good Um, and look yeah it is good because he didn't go on in the song to talk extensively about phone hacking because as he did in the (laughs) Ghostbusters song he just likes to spell out so he could have easily just done a rap about here's what's happening in the music video she's trying to break hack into my Mm. phone and do that sort of stuff but he didn't do that he refrained and he put that out there it's really good 41 cents on Discogs that's the deal of the fucking century go and buy 10 of them one for you one for your dad, one for your mum, one for your friends. I'm going to look up whole album. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it's very good. 1.666 um, six, six, ah, yes. uh, monthly listeners on Spotify. So um, 1.666. So 1,666,645. Oh, okay. So all you Satan worshippers out there, jump onto that. He's got- That's your boy there, Daryl Simmons. So oh, that's yeah. the guy who wrote all those um, the new edition stuff. Oh, that was the mastermind. So he was involved in this too. So yeah, good stuff. That's really Co-wrote good. Co-wrote it. Yeah, yeah, nice. Produced by a babyface. Love it. Um, so go check this out. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, one of the best ones this week. Um, I think in just terms of a fun banger. And of course, um, I feel I feel a bit bad for Bobby Brown because obviously Whitney Houston, his wife, passed away, and I think. Two of his kids have passed Ugh, away. At least it. one has, maybe two. Some so people are just marked with tragedy. They are. Aren't they? So it's like fucking Hutchins and his fam, like Bob Geldof. Like exactly. They just seem to be surrounded by tragedy through no. Well, yeah. I suppose. I mean, he was doing a lot of drugs, but yeah, still, yeah. it's like. Man. So feel bad for I mean, Bobby, Bobby but you've still got those great songs. Yeah, um, compared to Chris Brown, he seems like the much nicer person. Oh yeah, Chris Brown's a piece of shit. I think so. Yeah. Um, right. anyway. Well, speaking of some of the best songs ever written, who's up next? Third, Third of October. Third of October. Billy Ray Cyrus, "Achy Breaky Heart Tom." Boy, look, this shit sucks. I don't think I need to spell that out. Um, I think people sort of look. Yes. This is effectively a, a country novelty song. Would you say? Yeah, because like, it's sort of just what I was talking about before. I'd completely forgotten this. This is the start of another fucking yep. trend, which was the urban line dancing yep. fucking trend, where this it was kind of the start of sort of pop country. This is where oh, yep. you get Shania Twain, Garth Brooks, yep. Garth Brooks's emo alter ego, whose name escapes <laughs> me at the moment, the guy with a little flavour saver. <laughs> you know, your Shannon Knowles and stuff, they all come from this kind Look. of period, which was a bunch of white people who lived in the suburbs going, yeehaw on yep. the weekends. Here's a, what a dance that white people can do. We'll all stand in line and kick yep. our feet around a bit. Oh, there was a period of time, Tom, where I think people said, um, you know, with no degree of, of sarcasm whatsoever, that Garth Brooks was a new Elvis. Remember, they were like, you'd turn on the, there'd be TV he commercials was, of like. He was 
massive. That show. He was like the biggest artist in the world, as was Shania Twain yeah, for a few it's, years. It's too. hard they to imagine now, but it was just just seemed to be. Here's Garth Brooks. Um, here's mm. a video of him playing in front of what seemed to be like fifty thousand yeah, dudes. Play just arenas like, that like you two or yeah. Van Halen would have played ten years earlier. Because like I think he was a bit. I think he'd like smash an acoustic guitar and he'd drink a shot of whiskey or something. People just yeah. thought he was unhinged, and you know maybe they wanted a little bit of that. Whereas Billy Ray was very much the opposite of that, just sort of like boring as hell. Like this yeah, song's pretty boring. Yeah. But um, it's kind of, I guess it's kind of catchy. Oh, that yeah. You can boot, sco- boot scooting was the other word for definitely, it. Definitely, definitely. Um, and it's, it's weird though, because obviously these days he's sort of like famous for being, you know, the father of Miley Cyrus, yes, almost more yeah. so than this. Oh, and recently he popped up in that oh, little Nas video. Yeah, <laughs> lockdown, so, right. yeah. so yeah, but like, so he's got a kind of ironic MacGyverish appeal, yeah. I think. But yeah, nobody listens to his fucking music. But weirdly, um, a lot of people don't realise this is actually a cover. Um, yes, so, I did not know that either. Yeah, so it was recorded by the Marcy Brothers literally one year before this. They they released it in 1991 on their album called, and the song was called Don't Tell My Heart which is just don't tell my heart my achy break heart so basically what happened was Billy Ray just changed the the name of the song to achy breaky heart making it worse it's still a country song it's effectively the same I think some slight lyrical changes but it's just marketed a bit better obviously and he was able to turn it into a and he must have I mean people must have thought he was handsome he's got a ridiculous Ponytailed mullet, which a certain other Mr. Thomas Vaughan at the time may have possibly been sporting as well. But I wasn't on television, thank Christ. Yeah. But still, yeah. And it worked. I mean, this was the first million selling country single since Islands in the Stream. Oh, shit. Which we talked about in our first episode a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that goes to show, like, this whatever he did, whatever look he had, the ponytailed mullet, the boot scooting. Yeah, no, it absolutely worked. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think how big this was, but it was everywhere for a period of time. We've had two yes. cultural phenomenons. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had crisscross, cultural phenomenon. Achy Breaky Heart, cultural phenomenon yep. as well. I would <laughs> also posit um, that Vanessa Williams, not that that song was that big, but the the coming up R&B takeover, oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. cultural phenomenon. I think it may even pop up this, it does, in fact, yes, pop up this year as well. And And dance music. You know, like yeah. it, as a general thing, that's a cultural phenomenon. Not no specific massive hit yet, but like, yeah. Oh, for sure, absolutely. No, completely agree. But we yeah, need to okay. See. So, um, um, look, is this? Uh, do you prefer this version, Tom, or the one of the Marcy <laughs> Brothers, or the one performed by William Hung on his 2005 <laughs> album Miracle? Happy Summer from William Hung. Imagine having to explain to people who William Hung was. Look. <sighs> 1991 seems like a long time ago for a lot of people. <laughs> yes. 2003 doesn't seem not that to me. long it ago. I mean, I guess if you're was, if, if you're listening to, to this and you're 20, you were probably born around that. T- you know, like you, you know, <laughs> yes. like sort of born. But to the, effectively, so everyone has seen one of those shitty talent. fucking talent shows, X Factor sort of things. So. Idol. Idol, all those, everyone knows what they They were not around yet. No, people get on, sing some songs, and then they choose a winner. The winner has a successful pop career for about 
10 days before they go do another series and then the winner of the X Factor um, ends up working at like Kmart or something yeah. like that because you know they, they are unsustainable to have yes. sort of that that career because they do this every year and no one cares and also usually if they were any good they would already have some sort of musical career exactly right exactly so William Hung is a guy that they got on the show and he um, was total dog shit possibly on the autism spectrum. And yes. what they did was a record label gave him a record deal <laughs> so he could record songs shitly, but he was doing the best that he could. It's just that he had actual no talent. Yes. And then they released the CD so the general public could laugh at how bad he was. Yeah, he was I, one of the sort of the first few episode nutbags that they would yep. always feature where weirdly deluded people would show up and yep. just embarrass themselves, except he never seemed to realise that people were laughing at him. Or he did and he was smart enough to think, hey, I could make a million dollars before these idiots... Yep. Get over the joke, but yeah. So I think what it shows is, Tom, that <laughs> as a society in 2021, we're just better people than we were in 2003. <laughs> we would never do that these days. We would never give a shitty person um, <laughs> a recording contract so that we could laugh at them. Agreed? We're, we've moved on. We're a lot better. We don't we don't really make fun of people on the oh, internet anymore, that... do we? <laughs> We're, we're respectful of people. Um, this is a, that's quite a complicated question, isn't it? There's a lot of... You could argue about whether it is more or less respectful to mock someone by giving them money. Yeah. <laughs> or whether, you know, like whether that constitutes some sort of half-assed backwards charity thing, you know, or whether people wouldn't do it nowadays because it's... Because he may have been suffering from some sort of mental illness or whether they would just pretend that it had nothing to do with that and do it anyway oh fuck it's a, that's a tough one <laughs> I don't either way it's a very early do aughts it thing it, it is, look yeah. the best thing I can say is that people need a distraction from the ongoing Gulf War situation and you know miracle colon happy summer from William Hung was just the just the ticket yeah absolutely right absolutely but I mean yeah we we don't do that but people still go on to YouTube don't they on a daily basis and laugh at people for how shit they are so oh 100 sort of percent <laughs> yes but they don't usually do it by giving them 29 dollars no, 95 for a yeah, full album exactly <laughs> exactly right exactly because right. again you have to keep reminding people people were still physically buying they shit were. from a shop you couldn't just go oh that's wacky i'll just look it up on the internet you had to go to brashes and hand over real Absolutely money right. to 1992 yeah. i reckon we're still we'd still be in the brashes era wouldn't we i don't think we're oh, out, yeah, we're not no. out of brashes we're into... we're moving on to CDs now yeah, they're, yeah. they're becoming more affordable there's more and more music on yeah, them vinyl is definitely gone vinyl's but, out but we're still Cassettes, buying this shit at brushes we're not yeah. into CD we're not into uh, sorry the sanity yet yeah, so. I think people were definitely buying CDs now but yep. again for another 5 to 10 years even people did not necessarily have CD players in their cars so even people who were buying CDs would keep a few cassettes to play in the car because you know See, car CD players were certainly not affordable to me and my friends until we'd all grown up a bit more and got jobs. Absolutely. Um, so Billy Ray, 8.6 million listeners on Spotify. Yeah. I mean, people, I think, I reckon his daughter was probably kept him in the public consciousness, as you mentioned. Yeah, I think he's done some Hannah Montana work uh, there, so he's doing all right. And uh, Six Cents for this on Discord <laughs> yeah, is probably about... Six probably about too right. much. Um, lyrics, anything good? This <laughs> uses the unusual literary technique of objectively personifying the singer's own body parts 
EG, <laughs> you can tell my arms to go back to the farm, you can tell my feet to hit the floor, or you can tell my lips to tell my fingertips they won't be reaching out for you no more. Mm. But the big threat is, what if she tells his heart, Ben, which is apparently not a big listener under normal circumstances? Yep. Sure, it doesn't have ears, so I guess she'd have to tell his ears to tell his heart, except his ears don't have lips, so they'd have to tell his lips first. But then what would happen if his heart finally got the message, Ben? Well, according to the song, it would blow up and kill this man. <laughs> that was the best thing you could do for a come up with for a heart to do, blow up. And you needed the extra syllables to add that that would kill you just in case an exploding heart was not what... That, that's not what you would picture if your heart exploded. Sorry, Ben, this song took a lot out of me in 1992. <laughs> oh, boy. This was, I will say, this was extensively mocked even at the time. Yeah. Like, it, this was considered to be a joke even at the time. Not to Billy Ray Cyrus, but to everyone else, like, you know. Absolutely. I mean, this is the kind of thing that Weird Al Yankovic would have looked at and gone, too easy, I don't need your fucking charity, Billy <laughs> yeah, Ray Cyrus. <laughs> Weird Al's never been one to go after the low-hanging fruit. He's moved on, I think, so certainly agree with that. But yeah, this song, pretty weird. The lyrics are pretty weird. Not great. Oh, I mean, he didn't write them, to be fair, but still. Yeah. Like, yeah, anyway, all right. Yeah, Quickly, let's move, move on to that. Along. Cool, Fuck 21 sake. November for four weeks. Boys, two men, end of the road. This is what I was talking about with yep. Vanessa Williams. This is the start of the mainstream R&B slow yep. jam thing. This is what took over from the ballads and the power ballads, yeah. I think. This, this is, is sort of these emotional of, sort of... Um, yes, this and the white person equivalent, which was your... Um, Mariah Carey's, your um, yep. fucking... Who did Titanic? Celine Dion's, yep. these people. Them and the R&B guys took over from the power ballads. Yeah, probably going to get a lot of Puff Daddy coming up. Yes, that kind of thing. You know, girl, any song that features yeah. the word girl. Absolutely. Look, this is emotional. Very. I'm feeling emotional just reading this. Um, End of the show. This featured on the Boomerang soundtrack. Mm. So that's probably I think that's good. actually worth a rewatch, that film. Is I it? might have to give it a crack. Right, yeah. there we go. Um, yeah. Recorded the vocals in three hours, Dinner. which just shows the professionalism of boys to men. I mean, that is two hours that. more than it took Jermaine Dupree to rope jump crisscross, yeah, exactly. but still. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the song two goes, and a half hours longer than it took Stock Aiken and put him into right. I should be so Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two hours and 45 minutes, I think, longer. But yeah, uh, the song only goes for four minutes. So what the fuck are they doing? Like, should, if they were yeah. real professionals, they'd knock this out in one take. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is the R and B movement. This came along suckballs for the next decade. Sorry, I'm I think maybe I'm just too white for this stuff, but it always just seemed like the shit version of hip hop for suburban people to me. Yep. Also, now it all just sounds like the first ten minutes of the room. Like yeah. exactly like the first ten minutes of the room. It doesn't bother me now so much because we have like functionally infinite musical choice. Yep. But in nineteen ninety two we mostly had the radio. There were limited radio stations. My feeling was that I didn't need to spend three hours a day listening to four dudes in casual knitwear describing how they want to fuck me in a bubble bath. Like I just <laughs> I had other priorities at that age. Exactly. Know. But uh, clearly I was in the minority because this shit was massive. Yeah. I mean boys to men were huge and then they were just Followed by this tidal wave of similar people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This spent, I think, 13 weeks at number one in the US. Yeah. 
Um, beating which, a record, yeah. Yeah, like, beating the record held by Elvis Presley in 1956 with Don't Be Cruel Hound Dog. So there you go. Um, and that's then how I, popular this was. Yeah, yeah. I think Whitney Houston subsequently broke that record with I Will Always Love You, which I think was number one for about a thousand <laughs> years. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm the I'd same as you. This is this. kind of... I did find these songs to be pretty boring for the most part they were always very long very slow and they don't like even I Will Always Love You at least she belts it out at least it builds to a crescendo these just kind of go along for a long time and then just end it's always one verse and three choruses longer than you want it to be and there's no crescendo. There's no guitar solo. No, nah, there's, there's no, nothing. But yeah, maybe I'm just too white. I think the appeal was that they had nice voices. Yep. It would always be... I think I don't their like album the was... Um, that their album's called Coolie High Harmony. I'm assuming they met at a singing group, you know, at college or yeah. school or whatever. And, you know, they harmonise well, but that's about as exciting as it gets Absolutely. Any lyrical highlights? Um... It's not written by them, which is good because this is some stalker shit. Uh, <laughs> although we've come to the end of the road, still I can't let go. It's unnatural. You belong to me. I belong to you. I don't know what I'm going to do. How about get over it, dickhead? Uh, girl, <laughs> I know unnatural. you really love me. You just don't realise. You've never been there before. It's only your first time. Nothing creepy about that. So, um, yeah, basically <laughs> it's just about how he's watching her through high-powered night vision glasses. Uh, who was that guy? The Billy Ocean guy. <laughs> oh, the knock at Boris Gardner, the Boris poor man's Gardner. Billy Ocean. Yeah, yeah. fucking hell. So Boris Gardner's had children and they've grown up to go to high school. They've formed a singing group and now they're... Um, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah that's not happy that a girl's broken up with them. Clearly. Oh, yeah, that's sketchy as hell. Yeah, fuck those guys. Um, four point three million monthly listeners on Spotify. They do have, yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of hits. And you can pick this one up for fourteen cents. But yeah, don't bother. Look at them there in their matching puffer flannelettes with yeah. matching white t-shirts tucked into their matching high-waisted belted yeah. denim. Oh yeah, they're all they love a matching outfit. Mm. At the bottom is... of that, there are matching Timberlands. You can just tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, the album version this goes for 5 minutes 50 seconds that's, that's what I mean boring that's, that's fucking... a long time for this because it's, it's just so slow and nothing really happens exactly a 5 even... minute song you want a lot to happen yeah in even at least Whitney would fucking build it up to a big yep. belting out thing or Dolly Parton it sounded like she was about to break down in tears by the yep. end of it but yeah no. yeah exactly right so yeah a lot of listeners a lot of um, disco well 14 cents yeah that's, that's overpriced um, alright should we move on yes cool alright last song of the year um um, known uh, yeah. for December for 10 weeks so this is going to uh, kick over into next year as well for like two fucking months of next year too is uh, Whitney Houston I Will Always Love You which I just mentioned broke the yeah. boys to men so it record. must have spent more than 13 yeah, weeks in, the in US, America yeah, yeah I think um, for a long time now look we've, we've talked about this before um this is the theme from The Bodyguard. Yes, that was a huge movie at the um, time. So Interracial love story. And we've talked about Whitney before, so we, we don't have quite have to talk too much about Whitney. We know she's got a lot of bangers. This isn't necessarily one of them. Um, so, Bodyguard, massive film. Kevin Costner, he lead actor do in no this. wrong with this time, And it goes to num- went to number one for like 15 years. And then remember last year... Um, Kevin Costner was, of course, um, in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yep. That song also went to number one for like about 10 weeks. The Brian yes. Adams song, forever. Has so, he, when's uh, Dances with Wolves? Has that been out yet? I think that's I around think, this era yeah, as well. Yeah, he so, was just... So he was on fire the there. The so, yeah. 
he's in a film and there's a song in that film that song is going to number one forever mm-hmm. was there um, a song in Waterworld or The Postman Tom can you remember was there a big song in Waterworld was there, um, should there have been a big song in Waterworld I think LL Cool J did that in credit song did he uh, pee drinking man fish okay uh, but um, yeah no, other than that I, yeah. I don't think so because I'm just thinking I think if there had been a big song because you know we know that Waterworld they spent a lot of mm. money on it I think it was a bit of a world a record flop. at the time world yeah. record amount of money on Waterworld I think it was a bit of a commercial flop because <laughs> sure they spent way too much fucking money on it didn't bring enough money back in if it had have had a song in there, mm. Kevin Costner film, remember, plus song equals, equals. big hit for the song yes. and it, and that then projects the movie onto the next thing. So, so Waterworld was out in 1995. I'm thinking <laughs> the best song from that year was probably Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks. I mean, you agree? You know, I can't argue with that. Yeah, look, I think if God, you put... I'm looking forward to If you put Cotton Eye Joe <laughs> by Rednecks into Waterworld, where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. I think Cotton Eye Joe, which only made it to number eight on the Australian charts in 1995, that would have been number one for, I'm thinking, 14, 16 weeks probably. And then people would have constantly been hearing that song, and it is such a great song, they would have went, oh, this is from Waterworld. I'm going to go and watch Waterworld now. More yep. people in the box office, so sort exactly. of yeah. So I think that probably would have really benefited. And as for the Postman, I think that was a flop as well, wasn't it? The Postman, <laughs> yes. I don't think went too <laughs> yes. well either for Kevin. Once again, put a song on there. I think that's from I can't remember 1997 or eight. I can't remember, but yes, it was definitely something around that line. Waterworld. Yeah, but I think so. Just something. Look, the best song from that year was either. Probably Quad City DJs, come on, ride it, bracket the train and ride it, or Deep Blue Something, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh Which one of those songs do you think would have worked well in the post? The post one was like some old Wild West shit, wasn't it? So uh, It was a post-apocalyptic Western, ah, yes. Okay. So I think that was the so idea. So probably Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, now, I so reckon. He could well possibly have sung it to his horse. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, actually, or... I'm actually, I'm actually going to say Quad City DJs, I think, come on, ride the train. Because I, I sort of... Did listen to um, Breakfast at Tiffany's uh, on Coles Radio today, Tom. Um, just you know, just in the house, not in Coles it's itself. On a loop, basically. yeah, on a loop. Um, and it's one of the worst songs ever written. Yeah, I think Breakfast it's at not Tiffany's. Great. Um, I mean, it's it's total bullshit. For, you've got a couple who you know they're struggling in their relationship because they don't have anything yeah. in common. So the guy brings up the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's mm. as as a common theme in which the woman says that she remembers it and recalled the sort of they sort of liked it. Yeah. So the only thing the fucking couple have in common is a movie that they both kind of liked. It sounds <laughs> yes. like they just need to fucking break up. Is that a reason to stay together with someone? Oh, why you got where did you meet? Oh, you know, high school. Oh, how long have you guys been together? 20 years. Oh, you must really have a lot in common. No, it turns out the only thing we have in common is the film Breakfast at Tiffany's that we both kind of like, but <laughs> yes. not that much to love. <laughs> Fucking moronic. Yeah, it didn't win a Grammy, but I think it did win the award for song which sounds most like it would have been in an episode of Friends, even though I don't <laughs> think it actually was a Yeah, award, absolutely. Which was very tightly contested in 1996, yeah. but um, not so much at any other point in human history <laughs> before or since. I think that's yeah. a category now um, at the Golden Globes, so yeah. yeah. 
Um, Dolly Parton actually wrote this song, I Will Always Love You, in she 1973. fucking machine. So she is a machine. Her um, and Prince just keep coming uh, back over uh, and over again. They can't absolutely. be stopped. So good on Dolly for that. Um, yeah, not only that, uh, but interestingly, yeah. so this was a number one in 1973. Not only that, but she re-recorded the song oh. in 1982 for the soundtrack for The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Good. And it got to number one again. Fucking hell. There's not many people who have done that. Got the number one twice re-recording the same song. I think Chuck Berry did it mm. in the 60s, but yeah. She was a machine. All that in the COVID vaccine, you know. That's but, good. Um, yeah, Whitney's <laughs> version it was at number one in the US for 14 weeks, which is record, as previously said. It still holds the record for best-selling single by a woman in music history. Jeez. After that. After she died in 2012, it got back on the US charts to number three. Wow. But yeah, my question was, is it time for a reboot of Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. Um... It's a wacky musical. Yep. About a brothel full of prostitutes. Um, Is it the best little whorehouse? Well, that's what they claim. I think it's called The Chicken Ranch. Oh, yeah. A name which has definitely aged super well. Uh, everyone in town is constantly hanging around at this uh, house of ill repute. Uh, yeah. The local police sheriff, who's played by Burt Reynolds, followed very quickly by his moustache if he's walking backwards. <laughs> Vice versa if he's going forwards into a room. Uh, he's very into Dolly Parton. She runs... She's the madame. Oh, yeah. Madame of the... You know, and then, yeah, all sorts of wacky hijinks ensue. I think a local Christian TV preacher tries to get the whorehouse shut down on uh-uh. morality grounds. And I'm assuming, given that Burt Reynolds is into it, at some point there's a car chase involving police cars crashing humorously yep. into signs and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying definitely time for a reboot. And, yes. And Look, I, I also think it's interesting to see that Dolly Parton proving your theory with the cover being better than the original oh, with her own song. Yeah, with her own She's song. She's literally exactly. figured out the formula on her own. Cover's She's gone, fuck it. I don't even need someone to cover it. I'll do my <laughs> do own myself. cover and get to number one again. Exactly. Very, very clever. Mm. Um, look, I think it sounds like um, whorehouses, just a lot of fun <laughs> goes on there. Just a lot of yes, shenanigans. That's what I've always imagined. Yeah, why... Hasn't someone made a reality TV show about it? Like, people love a reality TV show in a house, like renovating That's a fucking true. house, That's strangers true. living in a house, someone doing a dance in a house, someone I cooking in a house, whatever. Boy. So, what about just uh, go into the, you know, you're at the reality show, it's just a bunch of prostitutes hanging out, having a good time, and then you meet a, meet a wacky bunch of characters I've on the way. I've been told by people that have cable, which is, I think, the only way that you can see it, yep. shy of stealing it off the internet, that the single most depraved uh, reality TV show they've ever seen is called American Gigolo, oh, which good. follows real male prostitutes through their work days in okay. Las Vegas, I think. Although it doesn't place, take place so much in a whorehouse as in a series of incredibly seedy anonymous hotel rooms yeah. across possibly this city in the world that I would least like to visit out of anywhere I've ever heard of. Yeah. But um, yes, I mean, I do want to watch that, but I'm not sure if it would have the same mainstream appeal. As a Dolly Parton movie reboot. kind of strikes me as weird that you could have a massive hit movie which has the word whorehouse in the title. In the title, yeah. <laughs> I noticed, I watched the trailer, and even in the trailer it doesn't actually say the word whorehouse. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> managed to avoid it. So, yeah. But, I mean, it's on the poster. I think, like, that's, I think that's the power, though, the star power of Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds, yeah. I think, that they can get people in the door even with that in the title. Um, does this have any lyrical highlights? Not really. No. Like, I know it's a bit anticlimactic. It's very 
very simple but effective. It's a sort of possibly unrealistic depiction of a breakup from the point of view of a person with saint-like charity and patience. Yep. Bittersweet memories, that's all I'm taking with me. So goodbye, don't cry, we both know I'm not what you need. It's not exactly girl power, but sometimes simpler is more effective. Yep. She uses like half the words of love you right to say four times as much, but that's Dolly's <laughs> special gift, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 20 million Whitney listeners on oh, Spotify a month, which doesn't surprise me. We said that before, didn't we? It wouldn't oh. be up to 20 mil, but she'd be... She'd have a lot, I think. So yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but just give me two seconds um, because the power of... She has the benefit of still being alive, yeah. which is always... She's got 10 mil, so she's only got half as many. Yeah. But Whitney, Whitney's got a lot of bangers, I think. Yeah, so. Whitney's more current, but... Definitely, definitely, but dead, as you said. So look, um, that's the end of the year for that. A um, sure. lot of hits. We'll talk about... If you've got anything else that you can think no, about for, uh, really. for Whitney, you know, we've got a whole two months of next year. We can look at... Um, <laughs> Other hits which didn't quite peak, so peaked at number two include Cream by Prince and the New Power Generation. That was that, f- that is a fucking great song. I love it. People always talk about how, you know, Prince's songs are so sexual and, you mm-hmm. know, his lyrics are so <laughs> provocative, but he really held back here because he could have just called the song Come, which is effectively what it's about. Could have just called it that, but he didn't. He went, Come is too in your face, let's call it Cream. And it's subtle then, mm, isn't it? Get cream, on top. Get on top, cream, shaboogie, what? Uh, Rocket Man by Kate Bush. Um, is that the song where he says, at the start of the guitar break, look up in the air, it's, it's your my guitar. guitar. Yeah. And then the guitar just descends, descends from the Descends down air. and just plays a solo. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking so good. And it's just, and it's set, the video clip's set at that train station, and just at the start, the girls are just sitting there going, I want a coffee with cream. <laughs> Why would you like? Oh, give me some cream. They just do that for like ten minutes. And it's like, what the fuck's going on with this? When is this train coming? Jesus Christ! You're just sitting around forever. And then yeah, the the song starts, and then yeah, Prince just goes look up in the air. It's your guitar. Comes down. He just jams out a solo. I'm just like, fuck yeah, Prince, great. Um, get ready for this by Two Unlimited. Ah, uh, do uh, um, aka the Rocker Stanford song, as it was known. Absolutely, get ready for this. I think it was also used um, on the Hobart Tennis Centre ad, well into the mid two thousands. <laughs> oh, so. look, I bet you somewhere right now there is the uh, coming. They're coming back from a great break in a sporting competition. Oh, some yeah. sport played somewhere in the world and the song dun, over the dun, highlights dun, dun, is dun, 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 get ready for this absolutely too unlimited one of my favourite um, I think they were from the Netherlands I think no, they I were, saw or were they they might have been Belgian I thought they were Australian but no, you're right no, yeah. I saw both. I saw one half of them perform in a park in Amsterdam <laughs> yeah they're both people of colour but they're European yeah weirdly. I, I like, think yeah. they might be from Belgium or the Netherlands I can't remember um, Way Out West by James Blundell and James Rain uh, some country bullshit yep. probably Please Don't Gay by KWS yep. Life is a Highway uh, yes. by Tom Cochran one of my favourite songs <laughs> of all time there's um, no load he can't hold there ain't no load that, well we've, we've talked have we, have we talked about this Tom how we think the song like Highway might be a euphemism for cop yes, I think on this podcast have, have we that. Yes. Uh, it's like, yeah, well, I couldn't remember whether we've discussed that I thought I knew all the lyrics to that but apparently I didn't because it's a lot more homoerotic than I had I think yeah Highway is definitely a metaphor for penis in that song yes. so absolutely Life is a highway, I want to ride it all night long, need I say more. Um, best things in life are free, 
Janet Jackson and oh, Luther yeah. Vandross. That was annoying. Um, yeah, and then songs that peaked at number three were um, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Elton John and George Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, duet Justified and Ancient by the KLF. Oh, may I just interject here yeah, and just course. say, for anyone who doesn't know this song, I cannot recommend this song and video enough. Mm. Like, it's t- I could go on about this for half an hour, but I won't. <laughs> for one thing, just to, just to start, the whole song, the whole video looks as though it is being played through a Sega CD, like, dashboard, <laughs> for reasons I cannot understand. Yep. This is the new Bat Dance. It's yep. Tammy Wynne nearly gave her life for this. She collapsed on tour in Australia, citing overwork promoting this city. Just absolutely watch this. It is, it's that thing we were talking about before where they kept, they were an art, sort of experimental art, dance, punk, rock band. And then their attempts to just make cheesy pop singles kept being huge so they kept getting more money yep. and then, so they kept just funneling it back into increasingly mad collaborations and videos and this is about the highlight i think after this one member just freaked out couldn't handle the fact that they were turning into the thing that he was trying to take the piss out of yep. and left and then yeah but it's it's definitely worth watching it's insane the um I think, for my money, one of the best things that has ever been done at a live music performance is um, on one of those like award shows yeah. um, in the UK is when they went on to perform um, their hit uh, "3am Eternal," <laughs> and yeah. which is just a it's that was what, last it's year. a stadium it was, yeah. pop dance. It's just a dance. Yeah. it's a pop dance song. So people expect them to be performing a dance pop song and they just show it with Extreme Noise Terror who are a grindcore band and they just play it as a straight like metal song and everyone's going what the fuck is this so just a dude screaming 3am eternal over and over and it's like pretty good so Justified and just, Ancient by the KLF yep get on to yeah, it check or 3am eternal yeah just, that just one. listen to the, the Stadium too. House trilogy it's all good um Dizzy by Vic Ruse and the Wonder Stuff. Stay by Shakespeare's sister. Ah, uh, yep. Shakespeare, one, one of the chicks from Shakespeare's sister was... Uh, what was she in? Where, who did she... Did was she, it... No, it was Banana Run. Yeah, I think Wasn't that's she right. left? Yeah, Shakespeare's sister right. named after the... Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So she left Banana Rama and went on Shakespeare's system. Oh, yeah. Clunk EP by Frente. Yep. that was the, they were very popular in Australia. They also had that girlfriend look. They were like the hipster version. Accidentally, Kelly Street. Yep. Um, that video clips batshit. Go watch that. Too funky by uh, George yeah. Michael. If you're a bit of a perv, that video hasn't yep. aged today. It's basically all of the uh, then massive early nineties. Uh, supermodels doing a runway show for the definitely heterosexual George Michael to film <laughs> but um, yes. certainly Rhythm is a Dancer by Snap that's another one yeah. um, Would so. I Lie to You by Charles and Eddie did Snap do I've Got the Power I sure did yeah Absolutely. that was a huge one Snap too. are a hit factory they've got a lot of yeah I, I can't wait to get to talk about um, I'm sure we'll later find out that some, someone else did the vocals and they were being mimed probably probably because <laughs> um, I, yeah I like all those early 90s dance songs um, I do like yeah. all the D-tier ones as well, like <laughs> Ice MC. That no I'd, one can remember, I'd forgotten so. Euphoria. I'd, com- I'd they had two number one hits, and I'd completely fucking. Hopefully, we get to talk about Ice MC at one stage because <laughs> his song he's like a fake raster in the start of one of the songs. He just lists like forty to fifty countries, <laughs> Good <laughs> just old for no reason. Shit. It never goes out of fashion. Oh, it doesn't absolutely. Um, and then other hits, "Ugly as I Want to Be" EP by Ugly Kid <sighs> Joe. 
Um, that word, L-O-V, love, rock melons, erotica by Madonna. We oh, didn't yeah. have any Madonna songs this week. That's, That's unusual, usually every week. Uh, November Rain by Guns N' Roses, which is um, fantastic. If you know, if ever, wondered, yep. ever wondered what happens um, if it rains at a wedding, people just lose their fucking <laughs> minds and just jump through wedding cakes and go absolutely <laughs> ape shit like they don't know what rain is. Smells like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Uh, so this is sort of, we've got the, that smell? the old, it's, it's the Teen Spirit. It's the fucking grunge it era. So you've got the old, November Rain and the new um, Nirvana yep, right so that's probably that's as big a hit as Nirvana ever had, had I guess I don't think did they ever have a number one song don't know maybe they did on oh albums, pop chart sure. stuff yeah probably I not but yeah know. I mean this was the beginning of, of obviously yes, grunge yeah 100% um, Yep, in the Definitely. closet and remember the time by Michael Jackson mm. um, and some other there's some other bullshit on there oh be my baby by the Teen Queen the second pedophile to write a song about being in the closet <laughs> and everyone just ignores it and goes that's wacky don't worry about that yeah. that's fine yeah people turn a blind eye don't they it's crazy um damn I wish I was your lover by <laughs> Sophie B Hawkins um and Get Off by Prince and the New Power oh, there's Generation. also fucking Everything's Alright by John Farnham oh, Jason Brown and John yeah. Stevens that's another Andrew <laughs> Lloyd Webber fucking song uh, off um Jesus Christ Superstar, which was popular. So there's a lot of a lot of great songs in that um, not quite number one <laughs> list. I tell you what. Yeah, man. Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll be back next time with 1993. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, there'll be a lot. I'm hoping there's going to be a lot more dance tracks. Me too. Maybe some Eurodance. Ah, oh, yeah. Maybe something favorite. that sounds vaguely grunge. I think we might have to wait a bit longer. Anyway. <laughs> cool. Thank you. <laughs> See you later.